Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. We're ripping away summer. Before you know it, 4th of July will be here. And then Labor Day. And then we're back in action. 4th of July is when it all starts. It is. July 5th is when the phone starts ringing and everybody wants to get dates that haven't gotten dates. So if you want dates with Stanfield Honey Night Fitters, you need to call me pretty soon. I do have a couple of weekday corporate dove hunting spots available where I can do a private group. And I do have some waterfowl hunting still in November, which is a really, if you want to shoot trophy spec, that's the time to come, it seems like, the last couple of years. Anyways, at stanfieldhunting.com, 940-658-3172. And you will answer your own phone. <laughs> answer my own phone. If I don't answer it, it don't get answered. That's right. This podcast is brought to you by the one and only American-made Boss Shot Shells Copper-Plated Bismuth. With that being said, it is not too early for you to start planning to get your shotgun shells for this upcoming waterfowl season. Put your order in with the great people up there at Boss. It'll ship straight to your door. Your UPS man will be so excited whenever he sees all the Boss shot shells that have to get taken to your door. All-American made right up there in the great state of Michigan. Uh, Brandon and Zach and Lee have got a hell of a company that they're going. They got some badass new swag out, too. They do. They do. Top to bottom. You will not meet better people in the waterfowl world. So. And they're going to be at Squad Fest, right? They will. Yep, be taking orders there. Speaking of Squad Fest, July 15th and 16th, you need to start making your plans to attend. Be in St. Louis, Missouri for the second Squad Fest. Dive Bomb Industries putting it on, and uh, we're going to be there. Yep, Andy's reached out and told me that everybody that comes there and buys him a beer, he'll have a beer with them. Oof, I did not say that, but I will definitely. You won't drink a beer with everybody that buys you a beer? I will not, no. Why? That's a lot of beer, huh? Could potentially, yes. Could be. Could be potentially a lot of beer. Um, if you're in the market for silhouettes or floaters, look no further. Dive Bomb Industries is the way to go. I tell you what, just the off-season alone is worth having silhouettes because they pack up so nice and neat, and they're effective out in the Goose or Duck Field. So check them out, Dive Bomb Industries, and come up to Squad Fest. Shake our hand. It'd be nice to see everybody there. We're also brought to you by Pacific Calls. They have got some new stuff coming out that will be at Squad Fest. It is a new goose call, Canada call, and they may or may not be redoing their speckle belly call. I got an insider that's telling me all these things. So You're in the know, so you would know. I am in the know. Um, Come out and see Alex. Yeah, Trevor's going to be, it's going to be baby time at Squad Fest, but they will have some new calls for sale at Squad Fest July 15th and 16th. And um, whenever I get the green light on the specifics of everything, Jeff, I'll be sure and let everybody know. But they do have a lot of cool things coming out. And if you're in the market for the best duck call on the market, PCD, the way to go. It's my favorite. This single read, oh, just barks at them. And I might be having a new favorite goose call here in just a couple weeks. So check them out, Pacific Custom Calls, and go check out their YouTube channel. And watch us smack a couple turkeys. And this week, we will have the big grand announcements from Shin Gear on a bunch of their new equipment. They will be on this week, and That's we will right. have a live YouTube with them. And they will be at Squad Fest. They will be at, everybody's going to be at Squad Fest. So if you, you want to see all these people, just come. St. Louis, July 15th, 16th. Uh, Maker, they got the best waiters on the market. I cannot wait to see what else they're introducing. I cannot say enough about the waiters. The boot is incredibly comfortable, uh, tough nylon material, and customer service they're going to stand behind their product as long as you stand in them shin gear great people great great people i mean they really are so 
check them out at Squad Fest or online. Shouldn't and come by and see Jeff and them at, at Squad Fest and tell them we sent you by there. There you go. Also, we're brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. I think Alex is going to be at Squad Fest. Um, take care of your four-legged <laughs> hunting buddy. Cough right into the microphone, Jeff. That's always important. Um, stainless steel dog bowls. You know, get get rid of your traditional dog bowl. Go stainless steel. It's easy to clean up. Um, get the trauma kit. You need, I mean, <clears throat> hunting is a potentially a dangerous sport. I mean, how many different ways are there to cut your finger? You or come up on a wreck. Poke your eye. The field trauma kit is a must for everybody. And if you're in the hunting industry, you definitely need one in your bag. And my personal favorite, the quick release system. Because let's face it, Lou gets a little bit antsy. And before the quick release system, I always had to hold him with this leash. Now the quick release system. Harness him in, pull the, le- pull the lever, and away he goes. I don't have to rein him back in to unclip his leash from his collar. And it's just a safety measure. No matter how highly qualified your dog is, Things can happen. Quick release system is the way to go. Alex also makes check cords. He's got dog collars. Anything you need for your four-legged hunting buddy, check him out, gundogoutdoors.com. Retired firefighter, great guy from Spokane. Or he, he thinks of safety. He's in he's in Montana now. Yes, but he, great guy to visit with, good dude. Knows his stuff. Great story, great guy to talk to. Go by and stop by and see him. We're also brought to you by Lucky Duck, the 2 by 4 blind. It's the way to go. It's tough. It's durable. You'll just have to check them out. LuckyDuck.com. Best spinners that are on the market, and they're waterproof. So if they take a spill in your pond, all you got to do is pick it up, shake it off, dry it off, and it's back in action. You don't have to worry about, oh, crap, it took a dunk. So that's ruined now. It's all waterproof, and they have big boy kennels out for big dogs like Lou. Um, All their kennels are five-star crash test rated, so you don't have to worry about whenever you throw your buddy in the back of the pickup. Accidents happen, but they're safe in the Lucky Duck kennel. No matter what you're looking for, whether it be spinners, blinds, dog crates, Lucky Duck has got something for you. If you're a varmint hunter, they got something for you. Dove hunter, they got dove spinners. Uh, They got it all. One-stop shop. Check them out at LuckyDuck.com because that's all that we use here. We are also brought to you by Alpha Outdoor Specialties, maker of the Stanfield Stool. No more buckets for us here at Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. Uh, we're going stools that are custom made for the A-frame blinds. Um, they're a fabrication company. If you've got an idea for something that you want made out in the field, contact uh, Jason, Alpha Outdoor Specialties, and they can they can make it for you. No problem at all. And be looking because I think that they might be having a blind caddy before too much longer. Hooks up to your A-frame, and then you got you got a place for all your stuff. Uh, very cool over there at Alpha Outdoor Specialties. Also, we are brought to you by Dirty Duck Coffee. If your coffee sucks, it's not the duck. It is how we start our morning every day here at the Big Honker Lodge. They've got a lot of new swag out. Um, their coffee is fantastic. little Missouri Boat Ride blend, a little high velocity. It's how I start my morning every single day. Uh, Dirty Duck Coffee. Is the way to go. They'll be at Squad Fest, will they not? Yes, they will be. Yes, they will be. So Scotty you, Goggles and Buck, I think. Are oh, there. so you can get all of your coffee needs. Uh, but if you don't want to wait until July, you can get on their uh, membership program and you can punch in how often you want your coffee delivered and voila, wake up one day and coffee's at your doorstep. So um, check them out, Dirty Duck Coffee, and look at them on Instagram. But cool people there. Also, we are brought to you by the great 
Logan Pyatt and Rebel Heron over there at the Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. I was in the liquor store the other day, and I called Logan. I said, listen, I'm looking at an aisle full of bourbon. What would you recommend? He pointed me in the right direction. What would you buy? Bladen Bow. Did you like it? Yes. Good. Had a little bit of my uh, Ducks Unlimited cigar to go with it. Nice little evening. Funny podcast, funny people. Uh, you go to their Patreon account, you donate some money to them, and then you are granted unlimited access to their entire library. So it's that easy. Looking Glass Duck Club podcast. Like I mentioned before, Ducks Unlimited, uh, proud sponsor of the Big Honker podcast. For 85 years, they have been working to save the duck numbers and working for the duck hunters, and they have conserved uh, close to 15 million acres in waterfowl habitat. So they do... They do incredible work on behalf of duck hunters everywhere. And we learned on our podcast with David that 85 cents out of every dollar, 80 to 85 cents out of every dollar goes, goes to the ducks, goes right back into the ducks. <clears throat> so they're a great organization and they have stood the test of time. And we are proud that they are sponsors of the Big Hunker podcast. Last but not least, we are brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey. Brandon Bing has made a, a very nice whiskey. Put it in my whiskey sour whenever I make that. Or you can just drink it straight, however you want to do it. He's got bottles in stock, so Bangtail Whiskey is flying off the shelf. Uh, go to bangtailwhiskey.com, and I believe you can get some ordered and ship straight to your door. So you don't have to get out anymore. Liquor just appears. It's magic. Good whiskey, and Brandon's an awesome dude. You can also check out his music. on uh, it's, it's everywhere. Spotify iTunes, wherever. Brandon Bing Music. <clears throat> Good guy. I think we did them all. That's it. Great sponsors for this podcast. We appreciate every single one of them, and you should, too, spend a little bit of money with them. Let them know that we sent you there. They are what helps this podcast out tremendously, so do right by them. All righty, boys and girls, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Mr. Sean Weaver of Meat Eater. He, uh, he is the face of the Meat Eater series, Duck Lore. Um, it is on the Meat Eater YouTube channel right now. Season one is, and then season two will come out July 19th on the Meat Eater YouTube channel. He's got a lot of other cool things that he's doing this offseason, so check him out. He's on Instagram, Sean Weaver. And then all the articles and stuff are up on uh, the Meat Eater website. So go check him out. He's a lot of fun to talk to. Very, very intelligent individual and a lot of fun. So we hope that you enjoy it. Here he is, Sean Weaver. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast, brought to you by Alpha Outdoor Specialties, home of the Stanfield Stool. I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world-famous Andy no Shaver. No more sitting on buckets for me. I don't care if I'm the only one on the blind that doesn't have a bucket. I will be sitting on a Stanfield Stool. 
I said on the one outside the other day, just sitting there looking at the weather when it was raining that one day out here, and I thought, this is sure beats the hell out of sitting on a fucking bucket would be. Yes, sir. Same deal. With us today from South Dakota, home of the sexiest governor in the country, Whew. Mr. Sean Weaver with Meat Eater. How are you doing, Sean? Hey, how's it going, guys? She is a badass, your governor. And a smoke show. And a smoke show. Yes. She could be your next mommy. Have Tell you, you what. Have you had any dealings with we her? We were so lucky to not lock down. I, I've met her, but yeah. she's I, it's not like she would remember <laughs> me or that I know her well or anything like that. But I'll ask her if she knows you next time I talk to her. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to get her no, on the podcast. Was, We've got a lot of mutual uh, acquaintances. I don't know if it would happen or not. but And, you know, we're a little risque for a governor. Yeah, and she's pretty poised, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It'd be hard to it'd be hard to break her. I mean, you know, not break her, but like get her to kind of open up a little bit. I think that'd be a challenge. Mm-hmm. She plays I, I everything. Bet she's got, I bet she's got a lot more personality than you think she was, and she'd go with a lot of things. Plus, she's governor of South Dakota. South Dakota people are like we are, so they don't they don't want some stuck up, got to stick up their ass like Nancy Pelosi type. They like who they've got, so she can be herself. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of dumbasses in politics, did y'all see who chimed in on the January 6th insurrection shit? O.J. Simpson. <laughs> of all people, we want to know what really happened. So, yeah, a lot of people can say that, O.J. What really happened, O.J.? Yeah, I thought of all people, he is tone deaf to what people think in the world. Yeah. Absolutely clueless. He is. How are things up in South Dakota? Have we got the rain that we needed at the right time, or is it still fairly dire? No, dude, we are sitting pretty. We're sitting beautiful. Yeah, we went from, you know, January, February, I was thinking, oh, we're going to get restricted or moderate seasons. You know, we're going to go from the 60-day Mississippi flyway season down to, like, 45 or 30. But, golly, man, we got the rain. We got the, like, late snow. Aberdeen, South Dakota here just, a, I don't know, about a week ago, maybe nine, ten days ago, got seven inches of rain. Ooh. I mean, we're sitting, like, a lot of happy ducks swimming around. Yeah. That, uh, that snow, when was it? In Feb- was it February or March? The, kind of that Both. late yeah. that, that late snow. They said yeah, it was, was March mostly. They said it was had like higher moisture content in it, and it was mm-hmm. a lot better for like if it had been a, a, a December snow where it would have been like powder and really dry, kind of had some substance yeah. to it. Yeah, and North Dakota got whatever it was like four feet in one go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just saw somebody release some duck number. I didn't read the article, but somebody released some duck numbers. Uh, I saw them yesterday. Just yesterday. Too. Yeah, they come out. Rec- Who was that? Wasn't the U.S. Fish and Wildlife? That was. Was it Ducks Unlimited? Maybe that was the. That was the state of North Dakota's own survey that Ducks Unlimited and I think Delta published it today, but Ducks Unlimited published yesterday. Yeah. Um. You know that we're we're back above long term trends, so that's good. I want to see. I want to see with the Wigeons. That's what I want to see. We, we used to be widgeon capital <laughs> yeah. of the world. And we ain't had any. And we hadn't had years. any widgeon in two years, two or three years. I mean, none. Like, places that you would see them. That I, when we had the big freeze in 2021 in February, when it got so damn cold, 
we our wheat fields had lots of widgeons on them after the season. But I was like, well, here, here, they're at least still here somewhere because we hadn't seen them anywhere. But we have big wheat country. Hell, we got one ranch got thirty thousand acres of wheat on it. There used to be widgeons on it all the time, and in two years, no no widgeons at all. Absolutely crazy. Have you guys been dry, or what do you think it is? Oh, we we've been dry, but we just we, I'll tell you what it's been. We ain't had no winter. There's been absolutely mm. no winter south of Kansas mm -hmm. in two years, hardly. Until other than the big vortex that we had after the season was over, we've had no winter. We get a front in October, and you think, hell yeah, we're going to start having fronts. And then your next front <laughs> right. is right at Christmas, maybe. And then the next, then now when season ends, like January 30th for us, when season ends, you can count around January 27th or 28th to have a good front, and then all of February you'll have a north wind every four days. But we didn't. We didn't. We've. Yeah, we, that. That's what's killed us. Oh man, that has been the story about the last five years too. Yes, is nothing until February, and now it seems winter is February to May, instead of November to March. Yeah. Well, I was looking at your. You know, you posted a video of your on your Facebook when that December front blew in, and you were like, you know, from October to this, it's been hit or miss, and mostly miss. Yeah, that last week of October to first week of December was the worst hunting I've ever had. I mean, I thought I forgot how to kill a duck. <laughs> it was awful. And but man, it really was. It was just weather. You know, it was just no nothing to move birds, nothing to change up stale birds, nothing to motivate them to feed. And then about second week of December on, we got we got red hot for a while. How long did that last? What was the what was the honeymoon period on that? Mm, through about second week of second week of January. Oh, so wow. we had a solid month that was just like really good. Yeah. But I mean that wasn't all in South Dakota, you know. Right. Now were you filming during this dip, during the lull and the and the tough tough times? So you were were you filming the whole time? <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah, so Duck Lore Season 1 has already came out. The Meat Eater Waterfowl series I was producing last year is called Duck Lore. And Season 1 was a lot of that lull. Ooh. We had some, oh yeah, it was rough. I mean, awful hunting in Michigan, Kansas, Washington. It looks like, you know, Season 1 kind of would insinuate I don't know a thing about duck hunting. And then... But season two is kind of when things picked up. And season two comes out this summer. Not to get into that. But in July, the next round of episodes comes out. And there's when the hunting actually gets good again. So y'all split up. So Duck Lore season two, it's all, or, or Duck, Duck Lore, it's all one season, but you chopped it up into, into different mm -hmm. seasons. That's interesting. Yeah, it was. It, it's kind of a function of just what made sense for releasing the releasing the episodes with all the other different series we have going on at Meat Eater. But yeah, so we're just, releasing it, you know it, at least a video a week. So a video a week of just everything that is at Meat Eater, or just or just the the <coughs> is that is that what you mean? You're of everything one? that it's right. at Meat Eater. Yeah. So yeah. one episode a week. Um, 
Yeah, that that sucks because you know the cameras are rolling and everything set up, and you wait all year, and then it's just like, what the fuck? So this hunting is <laughs> ridiculous. But you know that's mm-hmm. the that's the real deal that real hunters understand. We've got a yeah. series coming out starting next month <clears throat> from here, and we're going to have some days it wasn't the best days either. But that's the reality of being in the hunting business or hunting a lot. If you go out and use the hunt and you yes, shoot, and you shoot every freaking day, and you say I should limit every day. You're either hunting on a place that there's no pressure on but you, and you've got it fixed up just for that, or you're not hunting very often. Because if you hunt every day, yeah. you're going to have bad days and good days. I don't give a shit where you are. Yeah. Man, and that's that's kind of a pendulum. I think we saw a swing in the waterfowl space as a whole, right, where um, I, I always like to reference Avian X Season 1, where Fred is going – on public, you know, dragging his boat to random places when it's getting hot. And that was relatable for people because it was just going on a whim. And then we saw this kind of big swing in waterfowl content towards like always having perfect, awesome hunts. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, it leaves out the thing that people want ultimately, which is to see you do it how they do it. Mm-hmm. to see you go through the same stuff they do and they know it's full of shit if it's perfect hunting every time um so you know that was definitely what we i like hearing that you guys are doing the same thing with your series because that was what we wanted to do with duck lore was make it real waterfowl hunting well for a long time people treated their audience like they were retards you know, and just, oh, yeah, look at me. Every day I go out and I shoot two boxes of shells. And um, people are not that naive to believe that that one individual is only going to rake them up every day. But, um, yeah. It yeah, also it, gets old just watching birds fall. Yes. You want to see more. I mean, there's no I, substance to that. That's like looking at a hot chick on Instagram. Yeah. Like, there's nothing behind that. Like, you're going to get my <laughs> like. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to double tap it. But, there's you scratch below the surface and that's it. It's it's. It, I'll tell you something on deer hunting deals. I never do that, uh, and it's always bothered me. I'm not a deer hunter, but I enjoy watching the guys do the deer hunting videos. Really, to a degree. Also, though, after they shoot the deer, I want to know how much what the deer scored. They never ever say what the deer scored, and that drives me freaking nuts because that's what I want to see. I want to say, oh, mm. it scored one thirty two. It scored one seventy eight. That's one of the few things on the deer hunting videos I want to see. I do not like seeing an animal suffer. And I know from being in the hunting business, people think, oh, that's kind of real. That's, you know, you're being a hypocrite. I don't like seeing animals animal suffer, and I hate seeing a, an animal flop around, whether it's a pig, a deer, whatever it is. I want shoot, the deer falls, and that's the end of it, and then show it after you've got it, and it's tongue hanging out. I don't mind that. But show me, tell me what that deer scores. So when I watch a waterfowl stuff, I like seeing behind-the-scenes stuff of anything. That's why reality shows like Alone and all them shows are so so popular. People like seeing how people get things done. They don't just want to see a guy, oh, he won, yeah. he stayed out there for 73 days by himself. They want to see the suffering. They want to see everything that goes into that part of the deal. So when you see a waterfowl video mm-hmm. and all you see is birds come flying in, everybody shoots, boom, 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 and 72 deer or ducks fall, nobody cares about seeing that. They want to see all the work that went into it. They want to see all the suffering and all that stuff that went with that goal that they achieved. I think personally, well, you know, part of that is when, okay, like to get into kind of storytelling mechanisms, right? When you go watch a movie 
if you know the ending before you watch the movie every time, it doesn't make it interesting. No, not at all. The whole point is that there has to be a question of if the hero, you know, it's the hero's journey, right, is will he accomplish his goal or not? Well, if every single time they watch your show, they know you're going to crush birds, you've taken away the most important part of storytelling, which is like leaving something up to the audience to wonder to hope for, et cetera. And I think waterfowl content got that wrong for a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, then you, you don't relate to your audience at all. You know, there, there's an interesting story. So when Superman came out, Superman was really, really popular. But Superman, the comic book, went through a lull. And you want to know why? Nothing can kill Superman. So every comic book was the exact same. <laughs> Everybody's like, well, fuck it. I mean, nothing, nothing can kill the guy. That makes sense. That's a real good point. So Superman, one of the biggest franchises ever, took a dip because nobody could relate and everybody knew how Superman was going to end. So they had to introduce a way for Superman to be mortal and to be like a a person. Do you think that's why Batman's more popular because it's more of a human element to it? It might be. I don't know. And I don't know if Batman's more popular, but I just I I know that. I think Batman's a whole lot more popular than Superman is. I do know that about Superman. Mm -hmm. Superman took People love a good vigilante, too. Yeah. Yes, they do. Um, another thing, <clears throat> you two guys have seen it. Y'all have shot it. Y'all have been there for a lot of times. Is there a pile pick out there that's going to impress you? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> no. No, that's what I'm saying. It don't matter. I I enjoy more of the pile picks when they got an old antique truck or they got the American flag up or when they had mm-hmm. Trump 2020 or whatever. That was more impressive to me. You could you could put uh, – someone could kill 1,800 snow geese tomorrow <laughs> and pile that up, and I wouldn't get nothing out of it. I wouldn't even look at it. But you can take a picture of a kid with a gun or a dog, and then people love that kind of stuff. The piles mm-hmm. do not impress people. It might be impressive if you do it. Not, not it, anymore, right? No. Not at all. It's not. It's it's a whole different time now. People want more yeah. of the reality of what's going on. People that that waterfowl hunt, there are guys out there that kill a lot of birds. There's a lot of guys that struggle, but they have a passion for hunting. They just like to see what goes into it. They want to try to learn something. They they love that aspect of it more than just seeing a big pile of birds. Right. Like you mm-hmm. can go to. Are they done hunting in Canada now? Or are they still shooting snow geese? They're done. They're finally they're done. done. Yeah, they've been done for a couple of weeks. A couple yeah. of weeks. It's middle of June now, and they're done. <laughs> and they're going to start back up shooting geese in August, what? In North Dakota. In North Dakota in, what, 10 weeks? Approximately. That's yeah. absolutely Golly, yeah. that's crazy yeah. to think about that. But in 10 weeks, waterfowl season starts again. It It is pretty wild that you can really hunt waterfowl if you want to. You can hunt them for 10 months a year. Yeah. Well, if you got money, you can hunt them 12 months a year because you can go down to South America yeah, right, right now. Ramsey Russell's in South America, yeah. I think, right now. Yeah. Shooting shooting ducks. Did you do any of the Canada snow goose hunting, or did you did you end it at a reasonable time? No, I have not. Yeah, I ended in March. You did? I haven't. Mm-hmm, I haven't gone to Canada in a couple years. Even March, I'm like, whew. Because I switched to turkey season. Turkey season starts first of April mm-hmm. here, so that's where my brain goes after waterfowl season but do you do any turkey hunting or are you or are you just the waterfowl yeah guy? i shot a turkey this year in south no, dakota yeah i mm-hmm yep is that on camera yeah, or those is are that reintroduced birds here no that's not on camera that was just me out doing my own thing what do you mean as far as anything on camera it'll all all be on only waterfowl 
if it means me on camera. They're reintroduced birds. What does that mean? That, that your population was so low? <clears throat> well, like uh, South Dakota's, where I was hunting turkeys in South Dakota are introduced Rios. They got planted there by the NWTF. Oh. Um, and there's a lot of them. I mean, they've been there for a long time now, uh-huh. but it's it's pretty cool. It's not like I wasn't hunting the Merriam out in the Black Hills that everyone thinks of when they think of South Dakota. So they re I did so. not I did not know that the NWTF took a bunch of Rios up there and introduced them into South Dakota. Mm-hmm. Or is yep. there a section of South Dakota where their Merriams and Rios kind of cross and you get this hybrid bird, or are they pretty well separate? Yeah. No, I uh, along the Missouri River there gets to be some of that. Yep. I wonder what that looks like because Merriams have the white white tips, right? And uh, Rios yeah. have the ivory. I wonder what that bird mm-hmm. looks like. It it honestly, it looks like a Merriams that's got just a little bit of a creamy color to the tips. Oh really? Now I've yeah. never hunted. Have you hunted Merriams ever? Mm-hmm. Yep. How do yeah. they compare to? They're Rios? a different bird, man. Really? Oh, there's yeah, they're so different. Uh, one time we were filming, so we were filming turkeys out in western Nebraska one time, Merriams, and those those Merriams they love to walk. They just walk and walk and walk. They were hiking up, so there's cottonwood down in this kind of river bottom that they're roosting in. When they would fly down, they would go walk up this pretty much a bluff that was I don't know probably 500 foot tall like butte looking thing they would walk up on top of that walk all the way across it come down the other side then come back to the same roost tree every night all together it was almost an eight mile trek <laughs> that they would do every day yeah <laughs> just a round trip so yeah you want to get on those merriams it's they walk a long ways so what's the secret just figure out i mean do they walk pretty well the same path every day so you could you could be at the four mile mark and like okay they're gonna turn around about right here. Well, on those ones, yeah, because they didn't have much for roost tree options. Mm-hmm. But then you go to the Black Hills where they have endless roost tree options. I mean, I Max Barda that runs a camera with me has worked with me for a lot of years. He he loves doing that, and golly, he I think he hiked twenty one miles. One day, I know it was over 18 miles chasing turkeys. Jeez. I can't remember. How far did I say I walked that day? 13. I walked 13. So our turkey season was... Yeah, that's a lot of walking. Our turkey season was terrible here this last year. Um, And we had the guys from Pacific Calls down here. They they had a turkey series come out this uh, May, I guess. Mm -hmm. And they were hunting out here. And... um, we get out the first day and don't hear a gobble. We saw birds the night before, and they do not gobble. So um, set those guys down, and one of our guides was here for the weekend, and I said, I'm just going to go listen. And I walked from one end of the ranch, and then I met them around kind of where they were hunting. But all told that day, I walked 13 miles and. We didn't shoot a bird till the next day. That's some moving. Yeah, and I didn't. I, the The coolest part of the walk didn't hear any. Uh, didn't hear any goblin. I heard hens yelping, 
but uh, there was this there was this path, and I saw a coyote run to one side, and I could tell he wasn't running from me. He he looked he looked like he was doing. His ears were up, and he was he had a different posture, and I could just tell that he was after something. And I had been hearing a hen yelping. I'm like, this motherfucker's about to jump on this hen. So I kind of get a little trot in my walk. And then all of a sudden, I hear a pig squealing. So I guess there was mama and baby pigs, and that coyote jumped on a baby pig. <clears throat> so I walk up on it. Coyote lets it go. Well, now mama pig sees me. And she starts, like, huffing at me. She's got her ears up, and she just kind of starts trotting to me. And I'm like, listen, lady, I saved your piglet. <laughs> I'm the good guy here. And Interesting. Uh, she starts, like, trotting at me, and I'm like, oh, shit. But I carry a snake stick, and it's got a blade on one end, and it's got a big, mm -hmm. long handle, and it's about four and a half feet, five feet tall. And uh, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do because our trees here are tiny. They're mesquite trees. So, like, yeah. she can go up it with me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to knock the shit out of her with this blade, and I'm going to kick her, and I'm going to get in this tree as fast as I can. Luckily, she got about 20 yards away and then got her piglets in. But even then, like, when that, when it was all Man. over, I kept hearing her. in the. She was, like, trailing me. I was on the path, and she was in the, in the woods with her pigs, but I could hear her. And I didn't like it. No, 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 no. Pig trailing you? Yeah. That's, that's pretty wild. I've never seen it before. I mean, I've never, I've never had a, a defensive, mean pig after me. <clears throat> I've only known one person that's was she, ever. Was she kind of a bigger sow? Yeah, you know, she was a mature sow. She was probably yeah. two hundred pounds, and she had, I think, three, oh. three piglets with her. She'd have whipped your ass. I'd have hit that bitch right mm -hmm. in the snout. I've never known anybody to ever be attacked by. I hear about that all the time. Oh, do you worry about the pigs getting you? I've never even worried about that. The only time I know anyone's ever even had an encounter is another outfitter that you guy used to guide hunts was walking back to his truck from the parked the truck and was walking back to spread and he was walking through some brush and a pig had been run over and that sucker had a broke leg and stuff and he walked up on it and mm. it jumped at him and the tusk caught him in the leg and ripped him all down his leg and it screwed him up pretty bad because he got a bad infection out of it. But that's it, the only person I've ever known. It was close to his femoral yeah. artery. Yeah, too. he's lucky he didn't kill him. But they said what it did is, so her tusk went into his leg, and then, like, it did a sweeping motion, so it separated the skin from the muscle, like, a foot around, basically. Yeah. Where So there was a puncture wound, but, like, six or seven inches around that puncture wound all around it in a perfect circle, it separated skin from muscle. And then they, so they sutured him up. And then he got a real bad infection there, and he almost he, – he's lucky he didn't lose his leg to that infection. That's the only thing that I – it was him and me. The only time we got a pig with a bad attitude. Did you did you have a gun with? Me? You didn't have a yeah. gun with No, you. I only had that stick. You, don't, you only had that snake stick? I only God had the snake dang. stick because I was just listening for turkeys. I didn't think I needed mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. Up. Crop one of them big old mesquite trees we got around here that'll get your ass. Oh bit. yeah, that son of that would have been my luck. I'd have I'd have picked the one mesquite tree that couldn't hold me, and I'd have fallen. The the mesquite tree would have fallen, and I'd have just landed on top of the bitch. That would have been my luck. But I mean, you deal with mm -hmm. you deal with mountain lions and stuff up there, don't you? Bears and shit when you go to Montana. Yeah, in Montana, you definitely are always thinking about bears. I mean, I've never had any experiences with them, but. You're always, it's always in the back of your mind for sure. 
What about how far yeah. do you have to go for wolves? Where uh, I know wolves are in Canada. I guess Wyoming, where Yellowstone. Oh no, is. there's they're everywhere. There. Yeah, there's there's wolves in, in, you know, parts of Montana and Wyoming right now for sure. But you don't really. Heck, we even had we've had two wolves get killed in eastern South Dakota the last couple of years during coyote hunting contests. Oh, that's good for like them. Guys calling in wolves. No, thank yeah. you. Good for yeah, them. Kill them. Of... Kill them all. <laughs> Dude, uh, though, I remember the first time it happened and I thought, you know, I'd seen it on a Facebook post and I just thought it was like, a, you know, one of those fake. I just thought it was like bullshit. Mm -hmm. Someone was out there spreading crazy information. Nope. Turns out like Northeast South Dakota wolf killed. That was probably, I don't know, four years ago or something. And then I think it was this last winter. Another one got killed up in the same area. What they do to the old boys? They find the shit out of them. Mm -mm, no, I because th I think they, if I remember right, they were able to. I don't know. There was something about it where they said that it was. Uh, that they, I, I can't even remember honestly. They didn't find them. I know that it, they said it was something like they because they're not native there. They thought it was a coyote, so it was an honest uh, mistake or something to that effect. See, see there's not an open season or a closed season on them, so it probably didn't matter. But I'm going to tell you right now, if I lived in North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Colorado, wherever they have wolves, Minnesota, Wisconsin, I'd open the season up and kill every one of them bastards. They, they, they are wiping out the deer, the elk, Rocky Mountain, uh, the bighorn sheep, everything. They're, they're no good for nothing. Jeff Stanfield. They're not. They're probably good for something. They're about as useless. They're about as. They're about as. The, the, we need them about like we need mosquitoes. So, you would just wipe out the, the, the whole fucking thing. What oh, good do they do? Goodness, Jeff. What Sean? What what good does a wolf do? I think it's more. I don't know if I would ever have an argument for like good that they do do, other than. I do think it's cool to think about our environment getting back to a somewhat natural state, but also I do think that people need to keep in mind what brings dollars to conservation is ungulate populations, right? Elk, deer, etc., yes. moose. So it's a balance for sure. I think it'd be cool as hell to see a wolf out in the wild, but I don't think we should just let their numbers run unchecked and wipe out deer populations either. I think... I think they should be managed just like any other game animal, right? If we yes. if we get wolves in Texas again, and they're doing what they did in Minnesota and all them places that they're wiping out that shit, it ain't going to happen in Texas. We'll kill the shit out of them. But the difference is we won't go post pictures about it. You'll just – guy will shoot every time he sees one. He'll shoot one and let it lay out there and not say nothing. Mm -hmm. And our, they're, they're not going to do nothing here because it would wipe out a whole industry and, your, and all your deer. We, we we need predators. Let me get back before someone gets all butthurt over this on the deal. I understand the reason of having predators. I do. But mm -hmm. even back in the day, it wasn't like it is now. They're 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 running loose and crazy. You got that now it's also the cattle and stuff. I'm sure they wipe out cattle herds. I saw a I saw a uh, picture of a I think it was a cattle operation and some wolves killed eleven eleven cows overnight or steers, whatever it was. And they ate the ass out of about three of them, and the other ones were just dead laying there. So... They're not... Mm. It's just not good. Um, 
I, I'm like you, Sean. I think that we should have, a, a, like you said, a, a natural state of how we were years ago. Now, go to Yellowstone. But they're saying that the willows and the aspens are retired. There, there's more trees in Yellowstone now because there's not as many elk destroying these plants. And that's because of the wolves. So kill the wolves, see? Huh? So we're back to killing wolves then, right? No, listen, the trees are doing better now because the elk population is down. Oh, but, so they want more trees. It depends on what you want. Mm-hmm. If you want more trees, you need more wolves. I'm, ass- I'm but, assuming where you live at, Sean, you've, you've heard a, a wolf howl in the middle of the night. When I... When I've been in Wyoming, I have before, but not in South Dakota, no. I was in Minnesota one time in the Boundary Waters, and we had a fucking wolf come within two feet of our tent, it sounded like. I'm sure he was a quarter of a mile away, but it sounded like he was trying to crawl in the tent with us. Mm-hmm. I don't ever need to hear that again in my life. Really? It was, it was enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, hmm, I'm the second fattest guy in this camp. He's going to come for me second. Well, I'm like, you got, you're just in a tent. Like, if he wants to come through that door... Ain't much stopping them. But it was a very, it make your hair stand up for sure. Who was it? We had somebody on. And isn't they, it? Go ahead, Sean. Well, isn't part of it, too, just in general, when you don't have an open season on things, they get bold, right? Like you're right. seeing that in New Jersey with their black bear population. We'll of see. like, they have a ton of black bears and they're in town now because the governor in New Jersey suspended their black bear season. I think very quickly, if you had a open season, you know, not wiping them out, but if you actually had just wolf hunting and, you know, grizzly bear hunting or whatever it is, whatever predator hunting it is you need in these certain places, pretty quickly they don't, you know, pretty quickly they retreat back into the wilderness and get away from urban areas and away from people. Mm Mm-hmm. Very when you, quickly. When you put it's pressure. That they're bold because they're not getting shot. Well, yep. and, and you know, um, when, when, when this population blows up, they have to expand. They have, there's not enough resources where they were, so they have to go into the cities to find mm. resources that they need. Plus, and, you know, like you said, you're going to kill all the brave ones, and you're only going to be left with the ones that, can, that are willing to retreat into the woods and are willing to um, not live on jelly donuts that they find. Anything that goes unchecked. <laughs> gets out of control Yes, in the whole world. Look at Chicago right now. Perfect example. And all big cities are that way right now. Same with, same with wilderness. I mean, those bears, you keep reading more and more about people, those, those nuisance bears in New Jersey, and they don't do nothing about them. And I don't understand. Same with the mountain lions in Los Angeles. How many people got to get eaten up with a yeah. mountain lion before yeah. they say, you know what, we need to start shooting some of these. There are people like, oh, look at that, that poor That is a little- wild one that they don't want to. They don't want a hunting season on California mountain lions, and then they but they want to hire government agents to shoot them. Yeah. It's like, well, Stupid. the answer here is to get hunting license sales and kill mountain lions with hunters. Yeah, instead they're gonna they're gonna you know like you said they're gonna start this new organization that's gonna go out and I mean like people can't even go on the walking trails in L.A. Because there's mountain lions everywhere. They just eat your ass. Some of those video some of those videos of how bold some of those mountain lions get, especially oh. those young cats. It's wild. Those are some scary videos, man. Mountain lions scare me. And uh, we had a guide from Colorado here for a long time, and he, he guided elk hunts in Colorado. And he would talk, you know, you're not going to see a mountain lion before it attacks you. Like, it's just going to, you're just going to be on the ground, and it's going to have have your fucking neck. 
but mm. they would look for the tails in the trees. I guess is how they would is how they would spot them. He was like, I don't give a shit about a black bear. Black. He's like, I've been nose to nose with black bear before. I went one way, it went the other because it scared the shit out of both of us. But a mountain lion, he said, that's what scares me because you don't know that it's coming. I, I've never even seen a mountain lion when I was hunting. No, me but neither. if I had to hear one squall like they do, it would scare the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, dude. I mean, that is a wild sound they've got. When when I was a little kid growing up in Wichita Falls, I was probably seven, eight years old. We had woods behind our house. Now, when I say woods, it's not like woods like where y'all think of. It's just a mesquite pasture. Andy knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. But they heard a lady screaming in the middle of the night. Someone was calling the cops, and the cops came. It was two or three different times. And they figured what it was was probably a mountain lion that was somewhere around there, but it sounded like a woman screaming that someone was killing her. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people say that about I've never heard a mountain lion. But they say they've got an ungodly scream to them. So. One time I swore I heard one in northwest Iowa. That's where a lot of my family is from. I swore high and low that I'd heard one and out in kind of timber pasture behind, you know, on some family property. I swore I heard one. And then it wasn't, it wasn't that long later. I don't remember exactly. Maybe a couple months or a couple weeks or something like that that they had a mountain lion in a tree in a lady's backyard in a town called Sanborn, Iowa. And she had gone to let her dog out to go to the bathroom and heard this mountain lion up in a tree in her backyard. Jeez. Did in you, town. Did it eat the dog? Uh-uh. No, it just sat there. Did you see the video yeah, of uh, the toddler that was running out to hug a black bear? Huh? Yeah. No. It was like a two or oh, three. It was like a two or three year old walks out the back door, and you just see you see the bear, and then you see the toddler like running with her with its arms wide open, and luckily the mom, I guess, saw what was going on, and she sprints and gets that baby like ten yards before it is. <laughs> it's gonna hug the black bear. It's craziest too thing. Too much ever. Winnie the Pooh. Too much Winnie the Pooh. Oh my god. Too much that- Disney. Mm. You know how bad that could have been? <laughs> that's where. Have you seen the video of the orangutan? Oh, the yeah. orangutan? Oh, that's the best. Yeah, grabbing that dude. That is the, That dude is screaming, holy shit, he's scared to death. And that thing was fixing to bite his foot when he finally got away from it. You need to use. It's, it's wild how those how calm those things are, too, as they pull him in. It's no, just no emotion. Strength, Methodical. You know? It's just like, no. oh, yeah, it's just pure muscle. And I can't believe. I want to get whatever shirt that guy has because that some bitch did not rip. It, had it been one of my cheap ass <laughs> shirts, like it'd be in pieces. You'd be happy as hell it ripped too. Oh fuck yeah! Like, uh, but you know that that would have been the day I wore something that doesn't have any give to it. But he, it's just the craziest <laughs> thing. And like he can use his feet as hands, so like he's got his arms around him. But then like he's yeah. grabbing the guy that's trying to help him, and he puts his foot on his lower calf, and then that's holding them. It's wild. But like you said. There's no emotion on that on that orangutan's face. Just, I've got to grab this guy and I'm going to eat his fucking. What, what do you think face. you want to do with him? Eat him. Are they are they supposed to be a violent creature? Because the ones I see are they're trained. I mean, hell, they're they, Clint Eastwood made a million dollars with one in a movie with him way before you guys' time. But it was it was Clyde. He used yeah, to knock people out. I mean, it just it just takes the wrong one. Yeah, I don't think. You know, I think I think that's the take is I think most of the time they're 
docile kind animals but honestly you go put a human in a cage like that for the that long we're probably going to start pulling a guy's shirts too yeah and somebody and you know those kids fuck with him all the time throw oh, yeah. peanuts and shit at him all the time he's like mm-hmm. one day they're, they're, the fort worth zoo used to have some monkeys and they the, people would be sh- just being people and those monkeys they get people all excited and they start doing flips and shit and they get a crowder and then, then they pick up their shit and throw it in the crowd at people and then the people disperse <laughs> and 30 minutes later they start doing shit again and people run up there again and they pick up shit and throw at them yeah, they're showing the people who the boss is. But that just tells you how strong those animals are. Like, he, he had, oh, man. For, for a split second, all he had that guy by was his shirt. His shirt was the only thing he had him by. And he pulled him to his cage and got another arm around his leg. Like, no mother, you are not going, like, there's not a human alive that could grab a full-grown man and only have him by his shirt for five or ten seconds and just work him yeah. straight to the cage. Yep. And then grab him with his other leg. And, I mean, he was in a world of hurt had he not had a buddy there. That dude. And then that fucking, then the guy tried to help him, that fucking monkey, like. Grabbing at him, too. Grabbing at him. And then, like, he never, never lost control of the one guy. You're on your own, JoJo. Well, I mean, really, they've got four arms in yes. that situation. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. And strong and, as hell. And teeth. Strong. And teeth. Um. Settle down, all. It was Tony walking okay. in. Um, yeah, that that video scared me. But <clears throat> you don't fuck around with monkeys because they'll just they'll uh, they'll take your scalp off, which we've seen before. There was one, there was one other crazy video I saw last week floating around of a 17 year old girl goes in California. There's a bear, um, mama bear and her cub on like a a wall, you know, a property fence wall made of brick. And her dogs are, like, barking at this bear and under this bear, and this bear's swiping at the dogs. And this 17-year-old girl comes running out of the house and pushes this full-grown bear off the wall to grab her dogs and run back into the house. Yes. Oh, I saw that shit. I I saw that. The bear was climbing. It was like an adobe wall. And the bear was yeah, up on it. Wall, yeah. yeah, she's gonna beat the shit out of that old bear. That woman, what? That yeah, lady, that lady seventeen years old. I didn't know how old she was, year but seventeen-year-old girl goes and pushes this bear off an adobe wall, and then grabs her dogs and runs inside. And they're little yippy dogs, yeah. you know. She's like, there's four of them. Grabs them all in her arms and runs inside. <laughs> Unbelievable. I've got to watch that. The one video that I saw that frightened me, like the orangutan. A guy was doing mountain, he was diving off of cliffs into the ocean, and he's got a GoPro, and he jumps off of the cliff, and he you know, goes underwater. <laughs> There's a fucking mm-hmm. great white shark that he basically jumps on. Nope. He goes underwater, nope. and the shark emerges, as he and he's swimming like hell to get back up to the surface. If that shark wanted him to be The only gone. thing... Yeah. Yeah, the only thing that seems like more ruthless and... Uh, like just a senseless killer than cats is fish. Yes. Yeah. Count me out on fish. Yeah, they're stone cold killers too. Have you seen the video mm-hmm. of the uh, porpoise, the dolphin flipper, and the killer whales? Uh-uh. And it shows this dolphin mm-hmm. kind of jumping these people on their boat, and they're like, oh, there he is, there he is. And that some bitch jumps up, and about the time he jumps up, this fucking orca comes flying at him, look like middle linebacker, look like a Ray Lewis, hits and hits that dolphin <laughs> in that in midair. And that some bitch does about three or four times. That's the way they hunt. Really? And that killer whale, I'm going to tell you something, that killer whale got some height. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. He jumped and he was out of the air three times. It's it's an amazing video. But here comes old Porpoise, just you know, just minding his own business. And out of nowhere, here comes that orca mm-hmm. boy and hits him. And that's the way they hunt them. It's like Ron said. There's nothing in that ocean that dies of old age. No, though, you know, <laughs> orcas have never. There's never been a written down account of an orca ever killing a human being. I did not know that. I didn't either. But they do not. They don't want to eat human flesh. I in, guess in the wild. You mean in yeah, the wild? In the I'm wild, sure yeah. one in Sea World something's all, ate some some bitch all the time. But well, yeah, that was that. Well, there was that uh, documentary called Oh God, dang it blackfish or whatever it was but about a orca that was killing people in captivity he wanted out oh yeah but they've never had one in ca- in the wild that's ever attacked anybody andy's gonna be swimming that with him a- in seattle are you aren't you gonna get in the water with him with what with orcas why the hell would i do that jeff your kids are going to go <laughs> swimming in the water i would love that I want to see Andy. I want to see photos of you swimming around with orcas. No, it's not going to happen. I don't see like you it. on a doc- documentary about the first guy ever gets to get ate eaten, up by eating in, in the wild. wild. I'm trying to find the name of this. Uh, Tillicum was the Sea yeah, World orca Tillicum that killed Trainer. Oh, Tillicum's dead. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Harambe. Um, they're not. Sea World's not adding any more new animals, are they? I don't think so. I don't know. As they shouldn't. That's a pretty gross practice. Yes. Yeah, uh, you, you take this. I am not a fan. I watched Free Willy with my grandkids the other day. First time I ever seen it was in the last six months. We got on this kick. Free Willy 1, Free Willy 2. I think they have 17 fucking Free Willies out there. But anyways, <laughs> when you watch it, you really, it's just, it's it's not a something that, it, animals in captivity just don't do it. We well, uh, especially that uh, uh, orca is a. It's not like you know you're taking Nemo out of the wild. Like you're taking a a predator. That I mean, what's the range on an orca? You know, they have migration world. And stuff. I mean, they they just they start at one end of the coast and they go all the way down, and mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're going to put them into a a tank that's. What? How big is the tank? Hundred Olympic size yeah, swimming pool. Yeah. Olympic size swimming pool. Yeah, it's gross. It's nothing, you know. And like you can see how way back in the day when they had the traveling circus and whatnot, there was no other way for people to see right. and even know these animals existed other than the circus coming through town on the railroad. But now we have Planet Earth. Like go watch some, <laughs> go watch some of these awesome documentaries in Discovery Channel. It's a heck of a lot better than seeing a orca in a pool with a curled over fin because he's hating life. Right. Like, I didn't even know that curled over awesome fin was a deal. Yeah, I did, I did not know that until they don't curl over in the wild. Yeah, because they're happy. Right. And I did not know that though. Fin. I did not know that until I watched that show. We watched. We were at a hunting show years and years ago in Shreveport, Louisiana, and the guy had a pet grizzly bear. Yep. If you can make it a pet, but he did in this big steel cage bar. He was uh he was the bear the edge. It's got Anthony uh, Hopkins Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. It's a good show. Kim Basinger's um, good show. Very, very good. It's called The Edge, but he was the bear in the edge and he was the bear in a couple other big time shows. His name was Brody. I think Brody he was in the a bear. Dodge Ram commercials too. Yep. Yep. But but this guy brought it out there, and he <laughs> had bared to open his mouth. And he put his head in his mouth and stuff. And there was someone there from PETA, and they were pissed off because he was there. And he's like, listen, 
He called them out too. The PETA people he said, "I know. I see you down there. So let me tell you something." He said, "If this bear wants to kill me, the bear could kill me in a, in a heartbeat." But it's a big old stanky ass bear. But he was talking about like uh, they'd bribe it with chicken to open its mouth. They'd get raw chicken and then like hold it, hold it, wave it in front of its face, and the bear would like open its mouth. And he said in the movies they dub in the the roar. But uh, I think they give it green apples to make it kind of froth at the mouth and give it that uh, that wild, interesting, visceral, just hunting machine. But yeah, green apples. Um, oh, it makes it all like salivate. Makes it yeah, just kind of gives it that frothy look, so that when it opens its mouth, it just and uh, interesting. And then like he showed showed how he get it to like fake swipe at him and stand up. It was interesting, but. Uh, I, I'm not doing it. Um, <laughs> so how did how did the meat eater thing all come about? Last time we talked to you, you were kind of doing your own thing, and then uh, like right after it feels like you were you signed on with meat eater. How'd that all come about? Yeah, so I was running that production company of mine um, for quite a few years. I I was producing the grind. Uh, had a bunch of other freelance work I was doing. And I met Steve, the founder, Steve Ranella, the host of Meat Eater. I met him on a, a photo shoot out in out in Oregon. It was a wild, it was like a wild game cooking event, pretty much. And he was he was cooking all this different wild game from octopus to goose to mule deer. And uh, anyway, I was the photographer on that. And when it was all said and done. We sat down and we were just chatting kind of afterwards. Everyone's kind of idling down and him and I sat there talk, talking duck hunting for two hours and uh, became buddies, kept in touch. Then he came and hunted with me in South Dakota um, for an episode of his Netflix show. And then, yeah. Pretty much one day he called and said, "Hey, we want to start doing waterfowl content. Do you want to? Do you want to run it? Do you want to do it?" So, so that's how it happened. It was, uh, yeah, it was kind of a serendipity deal, right? Luck mm-hmm. of the draw. It's one of those deals where you work, you work enough and put yourself in the right situations. You, you know, I, I'll be the first to say I got real lucky, but well, you I mean, seem to get luckier the harder you work, right? Yeah. Well, what's the old saying? Um, Luck is when uh, hard work and opportunity meet. Yeah. I think it's something mm-hmm. along. I probably butchered it, but it's something along. No, lines. I think that's right. But, I mean, yeah. you're you're incredibly talented. Was it weird going from the behind the scenes and I'm in a booth or I'm in a room and I'm putting these shows together to now you're you're the face of Duck Lore? Was that a, a weird transition or is it something you kind of fell into naturally? Um. I mean, it took some work for sure. It's definitely, it's not just instinctual to get in front of a camera and be yourself and be normal. And I'm still working on that. It's definitely, uh, Steve said at one time, he says, nobody is themselves when there's a camera on them. It's just whether the person they become is good on camera or bad on camera. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Because you, you you can be real close to yourself, but right. you, you aren't just purely you. Yeah. And um, that was definitely a, a little bit of a curve for me. 
if I was, let's say I was trying to make something that wasn't freelance waterfowl hunting related at all. And I was trying to just go be an actor. I would have sucked. I would have been <laughs> awful. The fact that it's just me talking about stuff I give a shit about, you mm-hmm. know, talking about duck hunting and stuff makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, it is. For it, sure. It, I've, I've, I noticed that whenever we did, when we filmed our series, you know, you try to, the one good thing is, is we got a lot of, uh, kind of behind the scenes stuff and you kind of forget that the camera's there, but like the interviews and stuff, it's terrible. Cause you're just like, Oh my God, I'm, I sound like an asshole. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what you say. Like you oh, just sound yeah. like an asshole in the interviews. So, um, recording voiceover for me is, you know, it's like, okay, well, that's not how I talk. <laughs> I, I, I'm i trying to sound normal, yeah. but ultimately, it's not the same. Yeah. I watched... It's just not. Last night, wife and kids are out of town, so I watched uh, the Anthony Bourdain. There's a, they did like a documentary on him. It's on HBO Max. And um, when his show first started, he had people writing his voiceover stuff. And... It was awful, they said. Like it was, you could just tell with him reading it, it wasn't in his flow and his uh, mannerisms and nuances. So he would change. It started out, he'd change a couple words and then he would change a couple sentences. And then by the end of it, he just, he would just fucking crumple it up into a ball and do his own thing. Um, Yep. And that made a lot of sense too because, you know, he, he got his. His voice, because he was a writer before he became a TV show host, so um, it, it just made more sense to have him do it because it's in his words. It's interesting you flow. bring him up. Yeah. Uh, the guy that was the first director of photography for Meat Eater filmed Bourdain's show. Oh, really? Which is why there's probably a little bit of that similar aesthetic, right? Uh-huh. Um. And, you know, S- Steve writes a lot of his own voiceover. I write all my, I write all, I think Steve writes all his voiceover. I write all my voiceover because same deal. Like if it doesn't sound like you, if it doesn't sound like something you would say, then right, it, you can sense the fraud. You can feel it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then they said that, you know, that's why he became known for kind of that voiceover, that voiceover work. And just, I mean, he was a poet. And, uh, oh, Bourdain's something special, man. He is. And I wasn't, uh, Jeff was a big Bourdain fan when that show was running. I loved it. But, and, and I've just kind of, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, I was probably in high school when it came out because I think. Well, when did Beirut happen? That was 2004. He was in Beirut when that happened. Like Beirut, the first Beirut happened way before that, but uh, yeah, maybe. But he was pissed off. Which which Bourdain show did you like more, Jeff? Sorry, Andy, I didn't um, mean to interrupt you. No, you're good. I liked his first one better than I did his second. What was the second one called? Uh, Uncharted. Un- or? Yeah, it, it that was, was on CNN. Part. Parts First unknown. one was No Reservations. That Second was my one favorite was one. Unknown. No Reservations was my yeah. favorite. And I like Parts Unknown. I like it because he was a street guy, you know, and it didn't matter if he went to Vietnam or if he was in Wales. He would get on the streets and eat with street people also. And I find that pretty fascinating. I also like Andrew Zimmern's stuff. I really do. The the guy that eats anything because mm. it's just interesting. But I liked Anthony Bourdain because there was a lot of history involved there. And you know what's funny? Anthony Bourdain has nothing about him and me that are similar. 
He was a liberal. He was a druggie. Well, he was apolitical. A, 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 an addict. But I really liked him, and I respected him, and I would have loved to have sat down. I could have been, he could have been my best friend. But we have absolutely nothing in common. But that's but, probably what made his I, show so popular. Yes, guys like me that would have nothing in common with a guy would watch his show religiously. I DVR'd his shows. See, I love his I shows. Think, I think what you would have in common, though, which is what we're all missing with a lot of these types nowadays, is that you're just looking for authenticity. Mm -hmm. You're just yes. looking for someone that's them. It doesn't matter if you have different political beliefs or, you know, beliefs about anything. It's that, like, you're both honest and charitable about your positions on things. And that, you know, that's what we run into with right now. Like, that's a problem we're running into as a society as a whole is not that we have different beliefs necessarily. I mean, maybe on the extreme, at the extreme ends of the spectrum yes but i think it's way more that just nobody's having charitable takes nobody's just being forward and honest about what they're right on and what they're wrong on everyone's sticking to their guns too seriously not willing to like have a honest open discussion about things yeah he was he, he was a very interesting guy and the world lost something when whatever happened to him happened to him i hate that absolutely but, because i really enjoyed him and he was right on the cusp of being huge what are you talking about? He was really fixing to be really, really big. You think so? Yeah, his next team. Bigger than years, what he was? Oh, a lot bigger, I think. I think he was fixing to be Joe Rogan esque. Mm. I mean, I really think he was fixing to be a big platform mm. for a lot of people because people related to him. The hippies, the liberals on the left, they related to him. Conservative redneck people like me related to him. Like you said, I guess it was because he was just authentic in himself. Just himself. But, but I like that. But I enjoyed it because I like to travel and I like to see different places. And he would go to off the beaten paths, you know, and, and, and I like that. And he always seemed like he was a nice person. And I appreciate that. I appreciate oh, yeah. people that the little guy you visit with and, and you, he just he seemed to be down to earth and connected to regular people. And, that, and that's one thing we have a problem mm -hmm. of in this world is that most of the people that are celebrities – do not have any kind of connection with regular people. Regular people worship him, but those people could give two shits about you. He seemed like he genuinely give a shit about people, yeah. and and that's what I liked about him. Well, and yeah, he they, mm -hmm. they they showed it was a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and he would like he'd be in New York. Everybody knew him in New York, but he a, a worker, a street worker, like working on the streets, not a hooker. Um, it's like, hey, let's go get a drink, and Anthony's like are you off the clock yet? And like, he was legitimately going to go have a drink with a guy that was just like, Hey, Tony, let's go have a beer with me. And he's like, well, are, yeah. are you on mm -hmm. the clock? Or are you off the clock? But he would have sat down and had a beer with that guy that was working on the streets of Manhattan. No problem. I'll give you an example of two other this guys. This makes me want to go rewatch the show. He, he, yeah. A t t example of two other guys though, that I don't think are like that. I don't think, and I like Guy Fieri. I really do. But I don't think Guy, Guy Fieri is really in touch with other people, and he may because he did a lot to raise a lot of money for a lot of restaurants that were during the COVID deal that, that he didn't have to do, and he is worth a shitload. I think he just signed a $25 million deal with Food Network, and they kicked off Bobby Flay, and they signed him. And Gordon Ramsay. And I like Gordon Ramsay's show where he goes all over and cooks and does competitions right. to a different country. I really enjoy that show. But Gordon Ramsay just does not seem like he's a very loving guy. 
uh, I like Gordon Ramsay, and I follow him on like social media and stuff. He's doing a better job of of appealing to being normal. Because for a while mm. he was just the guy that was show, throwing plates at people's heads, but he's doing a better job of <laughs> yeah. showing his his personality. He comes off as a real asshole. <clears throat> well, don't like in this documentary, Bourdain hated mediocrity. Like, if you're gonna do it, we're gonna do it, and he would send a lot of emails to the producers. Uh, tell the editor to unfuck itself is what the email would read. But it was him that they were portraying. <laughs> I understand that. Right. But he seemed to have a connection, like you said, with the guy on the streets having a beer. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump's the same way. Donald Trump has nothing in common with connects us, with but he connects with people really well. And the average working person likes Donald Trump, even though Donald Trump is completely opposite of anything that they would like normally. They connect to him. Right. And Anthony Bourdain had that connection. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of people do. And over our time, there have been – John Wayne was that type of guy. Now, there was a different world we lived in, but there's been people in our time that connect with regular people, no matter how famous they are, how they just seem to connect. Yeah. Joe Burrow seems to be that way. Do you think part of that is that – do you think it's part of that those people just acknowledge the everyday Joe's real life? I mean, just they – it's like simply acknowledging that they exist, right? And that they – that they have their own struggles. I mean, that's certainly part of it. And, and that could be, but, you know, there's just certain well, celebrities that, and people out there that just do not, Well, I, I don't think, know the word I'm looking for I here. think what helped Bourdain, and I think what helped, like, guys like Rogan, is they got successful mm-hmm. later in life. So the, Anthony Bourdain, he was just a fucking line cook for a lot of years until yeah. his, his book mm-hmm. made it. The hard knocks. So... He came up through struggle, and he came up, you know, he talked about uh, every day it's just me and my four guys that show up to work on time every day. So he saw the average, he was an average Joe until his book put him on the map and was bigger than what anybody could anticipate. So he was an average Joe for so long. And I think that's what made him be able to talk to people um, that were just, you know, from the garbage men to to and he didn't put up with any shit and to the top CEOs of of networks he was an average guy for mm-hmm. so long i think when people get famous early like johnny depp um that's when the disconnect happens that's when you know you've only known silk sheets and rose petals since you were 20 years old well you're yeah. going to get a d- distorted view of reality in my mind, I, don't know, I could be totally wrong. Johnny Depp from Anthony Bourdain to Johnny Depp, boy, that's way too opposite. Well, the world. it's just that—that's what's so interesting about that trial to me. It's so many people for so long, like I want to marry fuck, I want to be a movie star, I want to marry a movie star. Johnny Depp's hot, I'd be his wife. He's a fucking alcoholic, taking—he's got a jar of cocaine, according to Amber Heard, and he pours mega pints <laughs> of wine at nine thirty in the morning. Like that's—that's that's the guy you want to tie yourself to. That's who you want to hit your wagon to. So it, that kind of, I think that has mm-hmm. lifted the veil on how Hollywood probably truly is. I don't think it's ever been Oh, a that secret. and the Will Smith thing, right? That's a weird cat right there. You know, he was kind of like America's... Uh, he was America's guy. Yeah, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. The bad boy stuff, he come across as... What a weird fucker. And nutless, too. He wouldn't put the F word in his rap songs, but by golly, you put him on live television, he's going to scream it out. Do you see where his wife wants Chris Rock and him to work it out? 
No. She wants Chris Rock and him to sit down and, 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 and iron things out. First of all, Chris Rock weighs 137 pounds. If you're pissed off and you're going to punch some guy for talking shit about your wife, you better do a better job of that. Especially, he will never, ever get a role as a badass again. Chris Rock? Will Smith. Oh, yeah, they will. No, there's no way. You can't watch Bad Boys now and not think, what a pussy. There's no way. I bet. <laughs> there's I bet. no way in hell that you would watch and think, he, no. I bet it'll all go away. I, I wouldn't even watch Muhammad Ali now. I'd be embarrassed. <laughs> the sad thing is he had all that training for Muhammad Ali, and that was the punch that he pulls off. Oh. But a bitch slap. <laughs> bitch slap is what it was. Um. Your your show, did you edit it and produce it, or did you have somebody else do that since you I come did all from the that world? producing. Yeah, I did the producing. Um, the editors has been various editors. There's two specifically that have done more than anyone else. Max Barta that worked with me before, and a guy named Hansi that works at Meat Eater, who, um, to me, he's the best freaking editor there is man we actually just featured him on a like a meat eater social media post the other day and uh talked about hansi's you know editing and long form storytelling and he's the real deal man he's just one of those guys that gets it and he's a waterfowler too which helps a ton yeah was you know, he that, knows what we all like to see and look at was that hard Given your background uh, as as somebody that would edit these videos, was that hard to give that control over to somebody else? I think um, yes and no. I think the part that it's hard to not micromanage it, like be too detail-oriented on it, mm -hmm. but also I think it's nice to give it to someone else that can be objective about it right. and like wasn't there, didn't see it themselves. They are watching that footage from a point of a clean slate. And so they don't have biases about how the hunt like should look or you know, they don't have preconceived notions about it, which I think really helps the story. Right. Yeah, it's it's kinda it's one of those things. A long time ago, my first full year here, after college, we filmed I, I filmed some stuff, but I also edited it. And then like you said, like you already have kind of this preconceived idea of where you want the story to go. Whereas had yep. we sent that footage off, it would have been number one, a terrible, I, I hate video editing. I'm awful at it. It's painstaking. It's just, I'd want to drive nails through my eyeballs by the end of the day. <laughs> and had we sent that off, it would have been so much better. I mean, so much better just because yeah. they would look at the footage for what it is and not what I wanted it to be necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, man, and it takes a certain kind of mind and a certain kind of person to be able to sit down for 10 hours every day and tell story through Premiere Pro. Oh, I did that for a long time. And it was, you know, I never got to a point where it was the part I loved. Like I did that because it allowed me for the other six months of the year to travel with the camera. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Oh my God! I, I just think back to put it's ninety it's ninety minutes long in its entirety. <clears throat> it's like six hunts, and oh, I hated I hated life because like <laughs> you, you'd fuck up, you'd screw something up, and then you'd have to fix that, and then it got to where I was editing up until eleven o'clock at night, twelve o'clock at night, and I'd go to bed, 
and my brain wouldn't shut off. So the whole night I was basically getting half-assed sleep thinking about, because at first, like, when you've got a season full of footage, that's a mountain in itself that you're like, oh, fuck, I got to climb this somehow. And then you start whittling mm-hmm. away, and then like then when you do get to the end, you're like, okay, I, I just I just need to power through this and and make it happen. But I'm so glad that we've got somebody else doing that now. Yeah, yeah, I have. I don't know how many hundreds of terabytes of footage still from over the years. That's like someday someone will want to dig through all that, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm good. So, um, been through that part. What is the plan? So, when does season two of Duck Lore launch? Is it in July or August? In July, yeah. So, I'm pretty sure the date is July 19th that Duck Lore season two will launch, and um, that's coinciding with our with our launch of the First Light waterfowl gear. So, we're getting into the waterfowl clothing business and. I wore and tested a bunch of that over the last year and some change. And uh, anyway, so that that comes online this this next month as well as Duck Lore Season 2. Um, and we'll, we're doing all sorts of... I mean, I've been really getting deep into the weeds on extra content. You know, I really want Meat Eater to be a place that people can come to learn about waterfowl hunting, whether people are beginners or experienced... I want, like, even something I would love to do longer term. I think it would be fun as hell for guys like yourself or myself and, you know, all sorts of different guys that have done a lot of waterfowl hunting to crowdsource drone photos or spread photos and, like, go through them and critique them and things like that. I just want to be able to do kind of – I really want to be able to do as much waterfowl stuff as we can we can. So we've been doing a lot of how to videos and more duck lore episodes, stuff like that. You're already doing something kind of like that. I've seen on your, on your Facebook, you, you know, you had uh, aerial footage of spread and wind and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that kind yeah. of a preamble to what you're hoping to work for? Yeah. I'm kind of just like testing the waters right now on what all, you know, I've wrote articles a lot over the last year of even cool stories from in the waterfowl space. And a lot of that is me having to go search and seek out those things, um, which, you know, I love doing. But it'd be nice to be able to f- find a way to, I guess, bring some of that to me without having to always seek out those things, be able to get emails to the meat eater website and you know, people saying, Hey, what would you do with this? What would you do with this spread? Cause the ducks weren't decoying worth a shit, you know, right. <laughs> things like that. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I get those fucking emails, so I'll just forward them to you from now on. <laughs> I, oh. I do. And we, I had an interesting, so we had uh forest carpenter and Kyle Jones here and, um, good dudes at the, t- yeah, at the time they were working for dive bomb and they were here filming a hunt for, for dive bomb and everything. But we were talking and he was like, you know, <clears throat> we get a lot of emails about wind's going to be out of the southwest, sun's coming up here, ducks are coming from here, what would you do? And he's like, that's good and all, but, and he's like, and I always, always answer. 
but at the same time, like you can kind of tell that they they don't want the blame if something goes bad. So if they set it up like Forrest and Kyle tell them to, they always have the luxury of saying, well, this is how they told me to do it and it didn't work. So, um, yeah, I, I get a lot of those mm-hmm. messages. But yeah, and I and and you know, mm-hmm. I, that's, I and that's fair. I only look at I look at it as I I'm only I can only get what you're telling me here. So like, there's a lot that I don't know about what's going on in your area. Uh, I think we froze up. There he is. I don't know what happened. My internet went out there. There's no telling it. Probably it could be ours. We're, like we're working on a new studio, and they probably cut a fucking line or something knowing us. But <clears throat> don't say that. Um, <laughs> but like I was saying, you know, when I get those messages, I only I can only gather however much information you're giving me. And obviously I'm not going to know everything that's particular about your area. So I can just answer how I would do it. Um, But it would be interesting to kind of have a collaboration of a bunch of different people working on things like that, because you get more than just your mind or my mind or Forrest's mind. You get kind of this group think tank on how to tackle certain issues. So that would be cool to see. Yeah, it would be fun. It would be fun. Even if it's just every now and then, you know, uh, even in the freaking Instagram comments, right? You right. can get into the weeds with that type of stuff. If Like the post I'd thrown up yesterday of um, drone shots. It's like, man, there could be a million different ways someone else would have handled that hunt. And I'd love to like hear that, see that, discuss that. Smart. And not so, just you know, not just decoy spreads, but so you moved your spread over to the to the. I'm looking at your picture mm-hmm. right now. You moved it across the across the way. What did you What yeah. did you do that yeah, for? They were just working that island more. Yeah, man. For whatever reason, and the reason we had set up on the one we were on to begin with is because the wind was kind of better for it, right? right? Right. Um, it wasn't as much of a cross shot. It was more. Uh, quartering into your face approach mm-hmm. and then but it just didn't matter for whatever reason those ducks liked that that second cattail island out there and hmm. that's a that's a weird one because it you know i guess just that much closer proximity to the sm- smart weed was that big of a difference but what did they feel i wonder if they felt more protected with that smart weed on that side because like yeah, i would have set been. up your first spread is right where i would have set up 100 percent. it's mm-hmm. it's wide it looks like it's bigger opening out in front of you and the wind like you said it's kind of this quartering approach that's exactly yeah. what i mean that's exactly what i would have done there's no way that i would have set up with the smart weed in front of me like that i mean unless, no because it was a you were in like tight you were in a tight 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 area there and the wind was kind of almost not just crosswind, but almost a touch of the wind in your face, and they're kind of coming over your left shoulder a little right. bit. And if I did set up, not on ideal. That, if I did set up on that island, I would have set up on the far left end of it and had the wind truly at my back. So I would have totally screwed. Right. I would have screwed that up, even if I would have sat there. They'd have been landing off to my right. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That you you're you're onto something here. I like uh, I like what you're doing here. I think it'll be fun. 
And then it was like, oh, so on the third picture, yeah, you did have the wind in your face almost. Yeah, it's goofy. And it was a totally cross shot? Yeah, how they would hook in and it was ending up, you know, they would, even though the wind was a little bit in our face, how they would decoy would end up being a nice little cross shot. I like, for geese and stuff, I, I really, I've found myself, um, if I can cross shoot them, a lot of times I do because you get the whole flock, so you get top to bottom, you can shoot at everything, rather than that front front approach, you only get the first 10 or so birds. But whenever you set yourself Dude, up Dude, it a is wild wind, how much that helps. You get everything. Yeah. You you guys hunting lessers a lot too. It's it's amazing to me how much it helps hunting lessers to be on cross shots. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, you when you when you're shooting them straight on, you only get that first layer of birds, but then you turn it to the side and you get from the ground to twenty or thirty to thirty yards high. Um, and I, we got a lot. I got a, I got a question. So you guys said that you haven't had your widge in the last couple of years. Yes. What have you had instead, duck-wise? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Coot, coots. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Nothing. Men handled ducks in two years. Really? Last year, late uh, late December, or no, late mid to late January, we got pintails. You can only shoot one of them, so like it's hardly mm-hmm. worth. But, yeah, we don't mm. get any ducks, it seems like. It was a horrible duck season from south, middle of Oklahoma south last year. And even the guys in Kansas had horrible duck seasons compared to normal. <clears throat> and there's places that they yeah, killed a lot, did. but it was a horrible. It was a horrible waterfowl season from top to bottom, other than a few, you know, little pockets of places that had them. I think Indi- Northern Indiana had some really good duck hunting in some places, but I think overall it was just a shit. We didn't have no winter. Yeah, them birds. There ain't no pressure on them ducks to come out of Canada, and those oh, there's food and water. No snow is our biggest problem. If we could get snowfall like we used to have, that food to get covered up, those birds will move around. You know, and everybody mm-hmm. way down south thinks it's because of hot water. You know, they got water hot on the corn, hot ponds and shit. They don't have nothing to do with it. We got to have some winter. If you get some food and it clo- Man. Some, some snow and it covers that food up, those birds are going to move. That's the thing I really wish that, you know, I've been trying to talk about it a little bit here and there, but I should talk about more. When people talk about hot cropping up in the north, like I don't know where they think all this flooded corn is in South Dakota. Right. It's like like the only flooded corn in South Dakota is natural flooded corn that you get from heavy September rains. And that stuff freezes by Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is no one man managing flooded corn with ice eaters and aerators and stuff in South Dakota. And really, not even in Nebraska. Who the fuck can afford to or plant Iowa. a thousand I mean, there's a l- acres of corn and just flood it and just give it to the ducks? I mean, you can't do that. Nobody can afford to do. It. There might guys have five or ten acres here or there that they do, but those are going to get eaten out pretty fast. But you can't afford. You know, you, there is nobody out there going to have a thousand acres of flooded corn and just flood the shit this year. I mean, what the hell? Diesel prices the, the way it is. Fuel prices the way it is. <laughs> And the price of corn, you're going to get greedy. You're like, fuck, we better combine this shit. <laughs> you know? I think I think you're seeing a lot of guys go back to that moist soil unit stuff for a reason, too. It it keeps the ducks moving more. It actually provides more cover and more forage for them. Like, the, I think the days of 
flooded corn in the you know i know they do it a lot in missouri relatively speaking Mm -hmm. compared to the more northern states but i don't think that's going to keep going the way it is i actually there's a i'm going to write an article on it but one of the really interesting things to talk about is the spread of power plants west um a lot of those more eastern states like illinois wisconsin indiana ohio michigan as they've raised taxes minnesota as well as those states have had higher taxes and higher cost of employment things like that a lot of those power plants have shut down and moved farther west into the dakotas wyoming montana and dude those things hold a lot of birds you know fergus falls minnesota just shut down their power plant a year ago i think Uh um which kept water open and Canada geese on it for, you know, all winter. Right. And then now instead that's closed, but you have more power plants opening up in the Dakotas. And I think you'll see some of those goose population, shift. goose populations and mallard populations shift with it. That's fascinating. Really I, did, I did not know that. I didn't, uh, I didn't know that they, mm-hmm. I didn't know that that was the reason that they were closing down in some of these States was because of higher taxes, so they're moving west. That's going to be interesting to see. And I did also, I also did not know that the the plant in Fergus Falls closed down. We've got a really good friend there. Mm-hmm. We might have to have him uh, back on here in the future to see what that looked like for for their waterfowl season. That's where I got this rivet band from. Sent me a rivet band from Fergus Falls. One I carry on my finger whenever I do podcasts. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. I didn't. I didn't know that 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 was going on. It's going to be interesting to see if if they do start losing birds to western states. How do you you talk? You're going to write an article on this. Was this something that got brought up to you, or is this just something that you just knew and you're like, hey, let me explore this more to write an article on? This is the kind of stuff that I like to get really into the weeds on. Right? Is you know the migration is so multifaceted and what affects populations, how they move. Um, it's people like to make it simple Mm -hmm. because it's easy to digest. It's easy to say those idiots North of us flooding corn ruin the migration, but there's so much more to it than that. And, um, you know, I, I've hunted a lot of power plant areas And I'm like, man, I know there's a ton of geese that don't leave Sioux City, Iowa, because the water doesn't freeze. Same with places in Nebraska, Wyoming, Idaho. And so um, that was kind of how I got further into that. Then I started looking up power plant closures. And (laughs) when I read about Rochester closing theirs. The Mayo Clinic. um, And, you know, Rochester. mm Mm-hmm. And so you you just kind of and there's a bunch more things I want to write an article on articles on that affect migration because that's like one small piece of the puzzle. Right. Very small. Yes. You know, farming practices is another big one, too. Well, you know, the people in south louisiana they like to point to the guys at the north and, you know, it's the Missouri's fault. And then Missouri says, well, it's Illinois fault and it just keeps going up the chain. Another thing that, so they're not planting as much rice in Louisiana, change of farming practices, and coastal mm-hmm. erosion. 
I mean, mm-hmm. but it's yep. always, but I think people, people like to point the finger at things that they may be able to change rather than it's just mother nature at this time. And the dollars aren't in rice production anymore. And coastal erosion. Right. None, none of those things are easy right. fixes. Whereas, well, if we could just get those no. damn hot croppers to quit hot cropping, our ducks will come back. Yeah. Yeah. And another one that's a big one that really no one wants to talk about urbanization. Yes. You know, you got towns like Des Moines, Iowa, that now have hundreds of these aerated ponds in suburbia that never freeze and cornfields all around them in city limits that don't get hunted. Well, that's a shitload of mallards and geese that never leave Des Moines, Iowa now. And, you know, you can pick pretty much any city in the north, Chicago, Minneapolis, Omaha, you know, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, go across the whole north and you can find urbanization directly wintering waterfowl. Yeah. And (laughs) there's there's just so many things like that that. Um. You, you're not going to get rid of that. You're not just going to all of a sudden one day be like, okay, Des Moines, Iowa, you got to stop growing because you're holding too many geese. Right. That's a that's an interesting problem. Um, but it's one of those things, like, what are you going to do about it? And there's nothing that you really can do. I mean, really. Here's another interesting one. Ethanol. Uh-huh. Ethanol subsidies directly created. I don't know what it is. It's like. There's over 100 ethanol plants now. It might even be 400. I can't remember the number. But those ethanol plants all have cooling ponds to cool down the water that ultimately stay open all winter. A lot of them anyway. Mm -hmm. Well, 40 years ago, there was no such thing as an ethanol plant. Now they're everywhere. And they're all holding geese and ducks. Because the water's open. Because the water's open. And they got corn around them because that's what they're making ethanol. Whoever come up, corn with, around them. Whoever exactly. came up with the bright idea to take a food source to make it a fuel source was a dumbass. <laughs> they obviously uh, were not, not waterfowl hunters. That was this the dumbest shit ever, <laughs> you know. And now we've got food shortages. Just talking this with the farmer yesterday. One of our biggest problems we're dealing with right now is we're having food shortages. People see all this corn planted and they're like, "Well, that'll at least help." No, that it's corn is being raised for ethanol and c- cattle food. Oh, most of the corn being planted is is for cattle food. It's not for human consumption. Yeah, I don't know. Right. So, so we're we're taking one of the biggest crops we're growing everywhere, other than cotton, and ain't nobody gonna eat on cotton. Mm-mm. And you're using it to feed cattle, which does feed us, and to make fucking fuel. Well, and that is not good for the, us the either. The fuel one is a, the fuel one's a weird one because. Now we the, all the science is out there that it's bad for engines. Yes, and that it's unsustainable. Yet we're still doing it because go, once government subsidizes something, it never goes away. It's kind of like the COVID vaccine. That's, that's the real problem. Out. Um, yeah, but you know the guy in Buffalo that got shot. He he figured out how to make an engine that ran on water, and then he miraculously gets shot. So I, I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a big conspiracy guy, but that one's got some. That one's got some red flags around it. Listen to this. Is, is that it, true? He actually created a motor that runs off water? I don't supposedly. know. Supposedly. He did a video. He did a video with the local Buffalo station, and he showed how it cranked up, and he had a mm. patent that was out. or He had a patent that, that was waiting to come back, and 
The lobbyists killed him, literally. Uh, you can look at it. I mean, there, if it is true, and I know that's the worst thing that you can say. If this is true, this is really big. But he, he had done a video, an interview with the local Buffalo station. that He had figured out how to make a, an engine run solely on water. Now he's dead, hmm. so we'll never know. Um, yesterday, I was <laughs> looking at, me and Mom are booking our trip for the fall where we're going to go to, and one of the car rentals was a Tesla. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, that'd be cool. But then I thought, I don't want to have to jack with having to charge a bitch up. I don't want to have to base my days on having to charge a freaking car at an electric station. In middle of South Dakota, are there Tesla stations everywhere? To charge no, there's No, the only charging stations are, you know, one of the first things Tesla did was they made it that you could cross the country and always have a charger. Um, so on I-90, there are like four, I think there's one in Sioux Falls. There's, there's one. one in <laughs> like Chamberlain. There's one, there's one in Murdo and there's one in Rapid City. So it's like, there's four in the whole state. So you had to wait in line. I mean, it's funny too. When you get on the West coast, <laughs> there's the Tesla's everywhere. Yeah. You get in the big cities, but you get in the middle, the middle of America and you don't see them very often. I saw it's, it's all just. If you can drive urban, it makes sense, right? Yes, it like, does. Uh, people in Bozeman, people in Bozeman, there's a lot of them, but they're people that never leave town here, right? They stay here. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, they leave town. They put gas in their car. That's where I saw them. Where I saw a bunch of charging stations was in Bozeman. There's a we ate it. We ate pizza one night at a place in Bozeman, and it's right by the Hilton Garden Inn. It's in that same parking lot there. It was a pizza joint, and I can't remember the name. It was a damn good place to eat. And I wish I could think of the name of it now. Um. Mm. I saw a video, and I hope it's a spoof, but they have a Tesla, and they need gas for their generator to charge their Tesla. I pray that this is just a a spoof (laughs) video, but they did. In the back of the Tesla, they carried a generator, and their generator was out of gas, and the Tesla was dead. Mm -hmm. So they needed a ride to town to get gas for their Jenny to plug in their Tesla. And the guy's like, well... What are we doing here? There was a real interesting one that I know is not a spoof. That was yesterday. Uh, the CEO, this I think it was the CEO of General Motors, is doing like a publicity event in Lansing, Michigan, talking about their new all-electric car. And she's charging it outside, like, I can't remember if it's their plant or like outside the Lansing, Michigan you know, city council office or whatever, but whatever it is, they're outside some big brick building, they're charging this car, and the reporter asks her, you know, who is charged, like, what's charging this? Mm-hmm. And she goes, oh, the city of Lansing, and it's their power. And the reporter's like, well, what's their power? And she's like, um, I think they're pretty natural gas, I'm not sure. And then they go ask a Lansing city and water energy guy, and he's like, we're ninety-seven percent coal. Coal, yeah. And, I was say. <laughs> coal. But here's the thing: like the the idea of electric cars to me is a great idea if if we had nuclear power, right? Right. Like if we if we were making a switch to nuclear, which is by far the cleanest, mm-hmm. we have an energy crisis in America, and we're going to continue to have an energy crisis in America, so long as we don't just let the best energy win. We're not letting just the best energy win which to me would be nuclear 
Yeah. Um, everybody's you afraid know, and, of and that. until that day comes, you got to have fossil fuels. Yeah. And everybody's afraid of having that nuclear disaster. And mm-hmm. I, I think that fear is what is what's keeping us away from nuclear. I think. Yeah. Because what, what was mm-hmm. that three mile island? That was all nuclear, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a video. There's a series on Netflix about Three Mile Island when that nuclear reactor melted down or some shit. Almost mm-hmm. was a major catastrophe. It would have been a big one. A huge one. Would that have been a world ender? You know what's no, gonna be. It would have just fucked up the East Coast. No. But you know an, what's another disaster is that California is predicting rolling blackouts till 2030. I mean that's a that's a crisis too. Like. You got to have energy, people. Cheap yeah. energy means a better society. Well, it really does. You say 2030, and it, the world was going to end in 2015. We was all, New York was going to be a foot underwater. At 2030, they're going to have rolling blackouts till 2040. It'll never change because they don't want to do what it takes to fix things, like you said, cheap energy. Same with water problems, and California has tons of water problems. Why don't you build some desalination plants, you know, instead of spending a billion dollars on a high-speed well, railway that never came about? I, I got to say, like, the thing about cheap energy, and this is the thing that no one really wants to tell you from the upper echelons of society, is um, cheap energy benefits poor people. Yes. Cheap energy benefits the working class. Like, they can talk all they want about how we can invest all this money into renewable energies and whatnot, but ultimately what a high tide lifts all boats is cheap energy. Mm-hmm. Well, and and that and that's how you save society. Well, and they want to make sure that they're getting their cut, too. You well, know, I, I am not a price shopper. I buy stuff I like or what I want. If I see something I want, I go buy it. When I'm in a grocery store, I don't look at prices. I just buy shit. Well, I used to be that way with gasoline. If I'm driving down the road and my truck says I need gas, I pull in and get gas. I don't give a shit where it's at. I don't look across the street to see if it's mm. three cents cheaper. I just buy gas, and it probably shouldn't be that way, but I've always been. Lately, I notice it costs me a $100 bill to fill up my truck every time I go, mm-hmm. everywhere I go. And everybody else is noticing that shit, too. That thing, it, it's not costing me anything else. I haven't had to go without because I'm paying $100 for gas. been pretty lucky. It gets to $200 every time I fill up. It's going to start really hurting me a, ba- a bunch because I'm going to have to quit doing shit. But And I'm almost to that point now at $100. But there are people out there that are on a yeah. fixed income. A single mom, a parents are struggling, lower middle class people, that was costing them $40 to fill up their truck once a week or fill up. And that's all they did was fill up once a week. They didn't do nothing but go to work, grocery store, take kids to practice. Now it's $100. That's mm-hmm. 60 fucking extra dollars. Those were groceries. Well, They'll buy $20 worth of groceries now before you used to buy $60 worth. And this shit's getting real. Well, and cheap energy, like and, you said, it, 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 what's killing, it's killing the, the middle class people. If you got billions of dollars, the, it don't matter. Right. And what cheap energy does is creates cheaper everything else. Yep. Right. Yep. If you have cheap energy, which creates cheap trucking, which creates cheap food. Yep. You have expensive energy. You have not just expensive utilities and not just expensive to get to work, but then you have expensive food. And... That doesn't, like you said, it doesn't hurt a billionaire. No, or a, or a politician, because do you know one, have you heard about one politician filing for Chapter 11? Ever. Oh, they're all rich. <laughs> they're all attorneys and shit. You know, we don't need more attorneys in D.C. Mm-hmm. We need working people. 
we'd be better off to go to a trucking company in the Rio Grande Valley and pluck a guy there go to a guy that's an electrical contractor in Kansas City and pluck him here and put those guys in Washington, D.C. because they can relate to people. They understand what's going on. Even when you get to the big cities, all their aldermen and stuff from the poor side of towns, they're all fucking crooks. You know? They're all paid off and bought off by lobbyists mm-hmm. and everybody else, and that's our problem. All our politicians are bought and sold. Yep. And it's trickled down, and now it's gas and energy and, you know... I don't know much about solar energy, but it seems to me like the whole state of Nevada outside of Las Vegas to Reno and La- La- you could put mirrors that whole place and make a solar deal, but I don't think it's it pays its bills. Well, the thing that I worry about with that is, you know, I, I've seen some discussions and proposals from the government on putting putting big solar farms on BLM ground. Well, how's that impact our wildlife and our hunting? Right. I mean, that's that's a huge amount of land that it would take to power the West Coast off of solar. And it's going to end up hurting people like us in, that love rural places. It's not going to hurt the urban folk. Right. They don't ever leave town. And, you know, I wonder, too, the, these high gas prices, how much of that is going to keep people out of waterfowl hunting this year? You know, burning down the roads or that trip to North Dakota – that used to cost you one one amount is going to be exponentially higher this year so yeah i i hauled a trailer full of stuff to bozeman and it cost me 580 dollars in gas Oof, that's crazy i mean that's a lot of freaking insane that's a lot of freaking dough we're going to we're going to dive a squad fest in july 15th july 15th and 16th and gas will probably be 19 dollars a gallon by then but I looked at getting on airplane tickets the other day. I just looked two days ago at airplane tickets. I thought, shit, it might be cheaper for us just to fly than to drive. Is it not? It it's it would no, it wouldn't be. But it, it's not very. It's not much difference now because you talk about. I figured up it's three tanks of gas up there and three tanks of gas back. So that's six hundred dollars in gas. Um. Well, they just announced the new CPI, the new inflation print this morning. Yeah, I saw that at eight point six. Yeah. 8.6. That's but, insane. But if you watch Jimmy Kimmel, things are going good right now. Had to cut, it's going so good they had to cut to commercial because yeah. things are going so good. Fucking Biden started rambling, and he's like, Kimmel, uh, we got some biracial commercials to show you. Cut to commercial. What we need to do. Oh, I did see that. F- yeah, I did see that. We could fix this country in, in about five minutes if we would get rid of all the fucking media heads and just put – regular media in there if the media actually did their job because the media reported what the hell's really going on in this earth well the press secretary said that everything's going great no, she's that, a dumbass too I, I just i don't you know how hard it's it, my blood boiling. it's like the january 6th insurrection stuff i don't give two shits about that i really don't i'm more interested in finding out why we let them burn down minneapolis and why we haven't done anything about that i'm more interested about the epstein and maxwell trial and what was said and what you know who we're covering up for i don't care about the january 6th deal you know i don't and I think majority of most Americans don't give two shits about January sixth. Yeah, and that's and I, and if you do, you do. If you don't, you don't. But most people I know do not care and aren't going to watch it when it's cost a hundred dollars to fill up your truck and it's five dollars for a box of Blue Box Kraft macaroni and cheese. You really don't give a shit about January sixth. Well, I want to know about all the mysterious fires at all these chicken plants. That's what I want to know about. Yeah. I think we've had twenty four chicken plants burned down 20, this year. Twenty five now. I think another one burned down two days ago. You know, uh, um, man, that's 
not to like change the subject on that, but the, another thing that's impacted the turkey and chicken stuff has been the avian influenza. Yep. There has been tens and tens and tens of millions of turkeys and chickens called and killed because of this highly pathogenic avian influenza. Like, like, which stuff, I've like, about had enough of diseases. Like of of turkeys and chickens, turkeys it, that are in captivity. Yes, warehouses. Full okay, of them. so so not the wild. Yeah. Turkey. So what happened? No, so what happened was we had a new highly pathogenic avian influenza come over from Europe in January or December. Mm-hmm. It was December. It was the first time I think it was recorded in South Carolina, which then spread slowly west, got into the wild birds in Arkansas, southern Mississippi flyway. As a spring migration started, they carried it all through the Midwest and got it into all these domestic populations. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the number is now, but it's probably close to 100 million birds called now Whew. in Iowa and Minnesota, Wisconsin, all those places. That's why chicken prices because are so of, high. Oh, it's insane. It's insane. And that was a cheap protein yeah. for a lot of people. Did you see any mm-hmm. of the of the snow goose uh, with the with this bird flu this year in your neck of the woods? A ton of it. A really? ton of it. Yeah, I have a I have a video on my Instagram of Max and I counting fifty seven dead birds just on one bank of the lake. How far back is like, it? I'll try to find it. Um, I can send it to you. It's it's. What's the video of this duckhead? Oh, a catfish. That was in a cat. That was in a catfish. That'd be a big ass catfish. Yeah, eat, a, yeah. eat a full blown duck. Uh, I'm looking here. So fifty. Yeah, I got I think, it. Here. I think I see it. Maybe. No, maybe not. But fifty-seven birds you counted. I'm I'm sending it to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I did see this. Yep. Well, there. Yeah, there was fifty. There was 57, like, total. I think in that video, it's 43 we counted. Um, Yeah, crazy. Has that, have you heard of anything? Has that kind of played itself out? We had a biologist on, uh, Brian Richards, and he was hopeful that um, when they got back to the nesting grounds that it would kind of fizzle itself out. Obviously, the snows are a little bit different because they go up to the tundra and they stay in mass flocks. But have you heard anything? Is it pretty well fizzled out i haven't heard anything since they jumped the trees i know it's still impacting them you know on the plains in saskatchewan but i haven't heard about since they got back to the tundra so and i don't know because there's just not a lot of biologists up there right now you know right yeah it's hard area to do any research in I'm I'm like you. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm ready for the diseases to go go away. I'm ready for <laughs> gas to be about a You and America to turn into America again. I want I want two dollar gas. To hell with the dollar Tell 50. you what, man. I'm not gonna be greedy. I want two dollar gas. Oh dude, I would I would be tickled pink over three dollar gas right now. Yeah. I never <laughs> thought that I would ever say that. Give me give me two ninety no. two ninety nine and I'll be happy as a clam. Because people can uh-huh. still, yeah. it sucks, but people can still do stuff. On We're it. at the breaking point where people are going to quit driving to do it's things. It's getting close. I mean, we are really getting to the point. Oh, man, I, I've quit doing things the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Like, there's there's nights where usually I would just kind of when I need to think, clear my head a little bit, go for a drive. It's like, no. 
yeah. going for a drive now isn't something I do casually. I do it with intention now. Somebody said gas is $8 a gallon in California right now. Canada. Well, That's what somebody said. It's $8 in Canada? I think Toby Brolin told us that. I know that. I know that yesterday the national average hit five dollars a gallon. Yeah, it's four sixty. I paid four sixty nine yesterday here. Yeah. But you go to, you talk about eight dollars a gallon. In Canada, you can't even go anywhere without a damn Vax passport. Still, you can't get on a bus or a plane or nothing. Still, I don't know. I kept thinking they're going to open up their border and stuff. This gun deal in Canada and the one in the United States is really kind of scary too. What? The, well. Canada is going to get worse than the United States is. I'm telling you right now, and I keep telling you, if you want to go hunt in Canada, you better get it done in the next couple of years because it's not. It's just a, as long as it's, if Trudeau stays in office much longer, he's going to have it shut down to any American hunters coming over there. I don't give a shit if you're shooting fucking bow and arrow. It's coming. You'll you'll probably have to shoot a over under like you would in you know places like South America, Mexico, whatever. Like, That's what I shoot. It's a gentleman's well, gun because they banned semi-autos, didn't they? Yeah, but I. Just, I mean, but. Obviously, there has to be a hunting loophole because most shotguns are "quote unquote" semi-auto. So, are those guns now illegal? They'll probably just make you shoot over unders, over and yep. under, like you said. I, I mean, just, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you have to shoot over. So, that was something we had snow goose clients that came from Britain because they thought it was so cool you could shoot semi-auto with extensions because they have to shoot over unders, over unders. So that's the law uh-huh. over there. They're not just gentlemen about it. They they the law is you have to sh- you can't shoot semi-auto, so you have to do over and under. I don't think you can shoot. I don't think you can even own a semi-auto shotgun over there. Those frauds. I thought they were just gentlemanly and only wanted to shoot two times. No, <laughs> I didn't realize it was out of necessity. They were gentlemen because they're shooting the same guns they shot in eighteen hundreds. Ah, but that was the, the law. But the Canada deal is going to get serious about americans going up there everybody that keeps thinking thinking oh no it's not it's coming i'm telling you they're just they're pushing the button more and more and more they don't like hunters the majority of in canada trudeau trudeau and them don't want hunters they don't want american hunters coming up there they don't want our guns Uh, to be honest with you i don't think they really want americans coming to canada anymore now the people that live there do i think It's just sad because it just shows that they aren't in touch with those little towns on the prairie that need that revenue, man. Yep. They just need it. They have zero clue about that. And they don't give a shit because everything runs out of Ottawa and Toronto and Vancouver, you know, and a few other big towns. But that's Mm -hmm. basically where they run everything out of. And we're doing doing the same thing. Look at California. California is a microcosm of Canada. You know, everything runs through Los Angeles and shit and San Francisco. Those people out in western and it's kind of crazy when you, it's kind of crazy when you think about California because it's like the second best duck hunting state. It's like incredible duck harvest and so good, and no one even really gives it its time of day. But how long do you think them people are going to get a hunt out there? I don't know. I mean, it's it's sad, but they they're they're outnumbered by all the dumbasses in Los Angeles, and I feel sorry for those people. I would hope, I would hope that this whole thing is a nice learning moment for everybody that we shouldn't try to tell each other how to live our lives. And that goes both ways. Mm -hmm. Like in general, what, what, what helps everybody is when we don't tell each other how to live and we all exchange financial means, dollars, gold, whatever the heck have you, you know, for productivity and work. And that that ultimately leads to a great society. And the further we get away from that, the further there's all these little things that pop up that cause problems that didn't seem to be problems before. 
and it and it, a lot of it comes from just trying to tell each other how to live well the problem is one side controls the media and that's that's really hurt us we don't get a fair that a lot of people don't have a clue what's going on because they don't want to watch the news no more and i don't that's blame me. them they're sick of it and they don't half the bullshit on facebook left or right is both propaganda and it's hard to see what's in the middle but if they turn on abc nbc or cbs they're only getting one side you know they don't get a fair the, the news is not fair anymore it's an opinion it's not mm -hmm. the news and that's your opinion that is my opinion <laughs> but you're, you're right. i mean we we are we're kind of at a point where everybody on both sides is finger wagging at the other one whether it's abortion issues or gun rights issues mm -hmm. i don't it, it just Man, I was driving out here the other day, and I was thinking, you know, maybe uh, is there going to come a time in my lifetime where we see a split, where, you know, more conservative areas are going to start regulating their own and then let the lefties have California and New York? And I'd be all for that. But, I, I mean, I don't know. It was something that I, I genuinely there's, thought. There's a, there's a book called Atlas Shrugged by a gal named Ayn Rand. And what she ultimately goes through and proposes is not, it's not even that government, like whether government and people telling each other how to live is, is just naive or evil. It does not matter. It just doesn't work. And that like over the course of the book, what she eventually leads to is like create your community of people that have like, the same core beliefs and tenets of how to function as a group and as a society. And then you control yourselves and, and create agreements amongst yourselves of how to live. And, um, you know, the Hutterites in South Dakota, North Dakota, like that's how they live, right? Mm -hmm. They have their little colony of 250 people, you know, 10, 20 different families and they're self-functioning. Like, they just go do their own thing. And, right. and, man, going and living on a Hutterite colony right now sounds pretty good. Well, and that might go back to urbanization because so many people are going to these urban areas and the, and the countryside is dying that um, it gets hard. It's harder to create that community bond if you're in a city of three million people. Whereas, like out here, we've got a great sense of community purpose because everybody knows one another and... We look after our own little community, but I mean, all you have to do is scroll Twitter for just a minute and you'll see like nobody acts anymore. Like there was a guy that pushed a lady on, onto the subway tracks not too long ago. Robbed her and pushed her on the subway tracks. Nobody did anything to him. Should have beat his ass. Because nobody, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Um, mm. so urbanization might be what's leading to us not giving a shit about one another anymore. I think it's also going to wake people up to their food chain yes. and how food gets on their plate. Right. Yeah. Hungry people sure, sure think different. Yes, and they get desperate. Yeah, and there's going to be some hungry people if we don't get some things changed. I tell people all the time you need to stock up on shit. It may not be able to stock up on ho-hos and ding-dongs and shit you want, but you better be able to get you some pasta, rice, and beans because you can survive on that. Mm -hmm. It may not be your favorite meal all mm -hmm. the time, but rice goes a long way. Well, and, I mean, there's... If you've got the storage space, you might as well get items that don't have a have an expiration date on it because it's only going to get more expensive. Yeah, 
canned non-perishables. Yeah, that's an interesting thing in how inflation. So I don't know if you guys know. I went to school for economics, mm-hmm. so this is all real fascinating for me. Um, inflation begets inflation because as prices go up, people try to stockpile to forego future raising of price, right. which ultimately creates a supply problem, <laughs> right. which creates more inflation. <laughs> And that's how you get hyperinflation. That's how you get when everybody panic buys. When everybody panic buys, and then it just the price skyrockets. That's why you have these. uh, That's why you have photos from Weimar Germany of people burning their government issued money because it was so worthless that it was it was better to use it as a source of heat than to actually try to spend it on firewood. That happened in Venezuela, too, didn't here. it? They just hit a gas line behind my house. Oh, shit. Okay, Jeff's got to run. Um, well, I'll start wrapping up with you while he goes and fixes that debacle. They mm-hmm. hit a gas line? Yeah, the guys are doing all that, re- putting in new lines. They actually punctured one behind my house. Oh, fun. Evacuate the block. Um, it's been almost two hours anyway, and I know you got a lot of cool things to do rather than talk to us. Um, Duck Lore Season 2 comes out next month, July. Um, how many episodes is that going to be? Yes, sir. Eight? An- another six. Another yep. six. Another six. Another six. And then um, what all do you have lined up for this coming waterfowl season? You going to a lot of cool places? Yeah. going to going to try to do a bunch of new places. Not going to try to hit the same things over again. Might hit a few spots that we struggled last year over again. Right. And, like, try to get a... Get some redemption. You know, get some redemption a little bit, but... Keep hitting new places. Um, in a last in duck lore season two, we hit uh, a bunch of awesome ground. I mean, we hit Missouri, Salt Lake, Arkansas, New Mexico, South Dakota. So a lot of cool variety. Um, and same thing next year. Gonna look for a bunch of variety. So New Mexico is becoming this hidden gem. It, from what I've we've started, we started noticing it more that New Mexico is actually a really good waterfowl state. I think the only reason that it's good is because there's not too much pressure. If it got a bunch of pressure, it would it would very quickly become bad because it, there's not a lot the of areas to hunt. Right. The duck right. population, the duck numbers are not there, and the, the opportunity to spread people out isn't there either. Well, right, good. right. And I'm sure now that we talked about it, everybody but. will be out in New Mexico this year. <laughs> Oops. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't easy hunting, that's for sure. Really? It wasn't like it was cherry hunting, no. But, I mean, it was decent. Yeah. It was, it was fun. It was cool to do it, like, experience it. We have a, we have a guy that listens yeah. to the podcast, and he's from Arizona. And they, they smash the honkers in Arizona. And that got, that's got to be pretty cool with the... Mountains and desert mountains and shit in the background because I think it's all irrigated, irrigated land in the middle of the desert. Yeah, I know there's a guy, there's a guy in Arizona and New Mexico, Arizona specifically, hunting dry field ducks. Yeah, which would not even think that's there. No, but me neither. But ducks are where you find them. Evidently it is. And then um, how often, how many articles do we have coming out in this off? Do you, do you try to do like one a month, one a week? What's what's your rotation right now? I'm, 
now that it's off season, I'm cranking out. So I'm doing, I'm trying to do an article a week right now. And, uh, then there'll be a bunch of shoulder content, how to videos, uh, gear breakdown of our new first light waterfowl gear, all sorts of different stuff in July with the duck lore launch that will be on the meat and really a, just a flood of waterfowl content coming. It's that time of year again. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it yep. is. You know, you, it really is. You get past the 4th of July, and, you know, some of these places are only less than eight weeks away. So, And if you hunt yep. in North Dakota, it's even you're about four weeks away. But uh, Yeah, for me, it's September 1, man. September s- 1 is when we usually kick off with early goose. So Start rocking and rolling September not that 1, far. and then you go all the way into March. So you got her licked. Well, yep. very good. Well, we appreciate you coming on here. We look forward to all the great stuff that's coming from uh, you and from Meat Eater. And uh, what, mid-July, do we have a do we have an exact date on when we can find season two? Or is it just? Yep, July, July 19th. July 19th. Yes, and it'll be on YouTube. How do the you, Meat Eater YouTube. The yep. Meat Eater YouTube. How do you do that? Do you release the entire season at once or do you release uh, like an episode a week? Uh, one a week, one, one a week. Yep. One a week. Very good. And, uh, so. season one is on meat eaters YouTube channel right now. If you want to check it out. Correct. Absolutely. Very good. All right, my man. Will you keep crushing it up there? It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And if there's anything that we can do for you in the future, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. I look forward to seeing everything that's coming out with you guys. Yeah. It's good catching up with you guys. Been too long. Yes, sir. It has been a couple years. Lots changed since then. Sure has. All right, bud. We'll see you later. All right. Catch you later, Andy. Bye. The end button. They got it under control? Yeah. What a debacle that would have been. Well, Talk about Three Mile Island. Well, they're re- <clears throat> They're doing a whole bunch of shit. They're, having to put, they're putting in new valves and something all over town. Well, they punctured the line right behind our house. Right. So um, fixed, so. You know, you were talking about crooked politicians. I did not know. So we went to war under the Bush administration. Do you know who was in charge of rebuilding everything that we demolished over there? Probably Halliburton. Halliburton. Yeah. And on, a, on, a, on a on a non on a no compete contract. Yep. No bid contract. Halliburton just got the job. Why do you think we're in Ukraine right now, fucking with their shit? Same type of shit. Not Halliburton, but just the whole deal. The whole. System. So Bush gets Cheney as his VP. Mm-hmm. We go to war, and then Halliburton gets a no bid contract on rebuilding everything that we blew up and, in the Middle East. And who's and who's who's trashing Donald Trump as a turncoat right now? Liz Bush? Cheney. Oh, Liz Cheney. Yeah, because of her daddy. Did you see the Freudian slip that Bush had about uh, Putin going having a, a, a non holy war some in Iraq? He said. Yeah, yeah he's. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. I mean, Ukraine. George Bush can't go anywhere in the United in Texas right now and can't draw a crowd of thousand people probably. Yeah. I mean, we we have no use for his ass. Fuck him. Go back to Yale and go back to Connecticut or Maine or wherever you're from. You ain't a Texan anyways, you jackass. But it's uh it's interesting how these things pop up. I did not know that about Halliburton. Oh yeah. It's a it's a let me see. I had it pulled up here, the dollar amount. 
six hundred million and growing. That was in twenty fifteen. Seven whistleblower exposes seven billion dollar no bid defense department contract that went straight to Halliburton. Yep. I would love for Putin, who's got cancer now, they say, pretty advanced, I think. I would love for him to come out and spill the beans on our government and all the shit they've done or China to do that. Let the American people know what kind of cesspool is in Washington, D.C. I think it's just a cesspool on anybody that's in power. Yeah, I think you're right, too. But, you know, it's not exclusive to us. TV shows aren't reality, but TV shows show you an opening of kind of what's going on. House of Cards showed what goes on in Washington, D.C. pretty close, I think. Mm-hmm. When you watch The Wire, which I've only got a season and a half left, it shows you the, how shitty the politicians are in the big cities, too. It's the same way. Right. It's all about bailouts and people giving you money for shit, and they're all crooked. And the, the new white guy got elected the mayor of Baltimore first time. They think white guy, and all he's doing is working to try to become governor. You know, it's just a, it's all the same way. And it's I'm, I've I've had it with politicians. I hate it. Can't stand this country we're living in on the way it's become, and it's a shame it has to be that. And what a change it's been over three years ago. Our attitude towards everything before COVID, and those the deep state is the reason we have COVID. They look awfully confused in there, Jeff. Yeah, they're having a little lover's tiff, I think, over wiring or some shit. <laughs> and you who's staying out of it? Me. Me too. I'm going to keep talking until then. Yep. No, I'm fixing to go. we got to go. I'm going to eat lunch. i got stuff to do today, too. You don't have anything to do. Got a great podcast coming out next week. This will be dropped on Monday. My friend James Steinbeck will be here Tuesday. Kid I went to high school with. Very successful. Owns his own trucking company now. Went to prison. Had some troubles in his life. Is a great story. Stands up for... What's right and what's wrong is very honest about things, and um, we need more people like James, and he will be a good story. We'll have him on on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday at 6 o'clock, we will have live YouTube with Jeff Jones of Shin Gear and look at all the new stuff they've got out. I got a video from Mr. Trevor Austin. They got some new stuff coming out, too. Well, we'll have to have them on the next week after that, maybe. Do it's going to launch Squad Fest. Well, the day after, when they come back from but. Squad Fest, we'll do a live one. I might have a sneak peek next week at some of these new things. So Well, good. Well, Pays to know people. Yeah. I guess Trevor don't think of me enough to send me anything or let me know. So You've got that beautiful call in there I'm in out the, the call loop. case. Yes, I do. I'm going to put my – that's going to – we'll decorate the new studio whenever it's done, and that's going to be behind me. Well, good. We look forward to, to seeing all your stuff. All my decorations. All right. Thank you all. God bless you all. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Check out all of our wonderful sponsors. Go check out Dive Bomb and start making your plans for attending Squad Fest, July 15th and 16th. Boss Shot Shells, it's not too early to order. Shotgun Shells, Pacific Calls, they got some new stuff. Shin Gear, Waiters, Dirty Duck Coffee, Alpha Outdoor Specialty, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, Bangtail Whiskey, Dirty Duck Coffee, Lucky Duck, Looking Glass Duck Club Podcast, and Gundog Outdoors.